say what you will about California. We have some of the lowest fuel prices in the U.S. I mean, it's so pleasant to go to a gas station around here and just fill up with diesel and know that you're beating out Texas and you got lower fuel prices than Florida. Oh, wait a second. So I just handed back a uh, Ram 2500 uh, Rebel HD, Mm -hmm. which we will be doing a uh, truck review on in the next episode. And I uh, put about 900 miles on it in the course of a week. Yep. Filled it up before it went back. Yep. Well, here's what I paid on the way here. Right here. Mm-hmm. $6.29. $6.29. I, at the Arco, the cheapest gas station by work. I was in the desert, and I filled it up. Oh, you got screwed. Seven twenty nine a gallon for diesel. Oh, my Lord. So the the cheap gas station by me that still has, like, good quality fuel. Mm-hmm. This is where, uh, you know, I think Gas Buddy probably <laughs> becomes your buddy. I was looking at a premium this afternoon because I was going to go fill up. Literally two weeks ago, it was about four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Then it was about five nineteen. Uh, the lowest gas station in my neck of the woods right now is actually five forty eight, which means it went down. And then the highest gas station uh, within you know like a whatever ten mile radius of here six eighty one a gallon in in the in the city. By the way, where I live in Huntington Beach is a distribution center for Chevron, and so our gas prices here are typically twenty cents or more lower. Than other places. There's places in LA right now, like seven fifty a gallon. And I am in Long Beach, California, which is right next to Wilmington. And Wilmington is where they have a huge Refineries. refinery. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the. I think it's the original refinery in Southern California. No, there's several several uh, refineries in there, but it is uh, bad. And uh, I have gotten to the point where I haven't even left my house during the day while I'm working for lunch. I've been making grilled cheeses. And just did not want to uh, get fuel. Get fuel. I don't, I don't want to so spend fuel. Let, let me ask you this. Okay. So according to- and By uh, the way, I have a week-long trip coming up where we're driving every day in the desert for a week doing a, uh, a trip. And we need to, we definitely need to talk about that. It but will be less expensive to fly to New York and back than it will be to drive through the desert. We are actually scheduling a stop on the other side of the border to Nevada- as a gas stop, yeah, on this <laughs> trip stop. because California. Okay, let me ask you this now. really quick. According to AAA yep. uh, Automobile Club of America, the current average price as of today, when we're recording this, a regular gallon of gas three eighty eight. Wow, nation. That's the national average, right? Yeah, yeah, three eighty eight. How did you know that? Is that really it? Yes. Yeah. What well, do you look this up? No, I I I always keep an eye on uh, trending gas prices. I find it amazing. California has so much tax on fuel, both diesel and on gas, well, that's that the national average is usually $2 less than us. So much of that goes to our roads because our roads are pristine. Everyone knows when you come to LA. So, so what you guys no don't potholes. understand is is some of the uh, <laughs> the absolute, I don't know what the word is, dumbassedness of uh, California is- Jackassery. Uh, they're ma- mandating for everybody to uh, move to these EVs, right? Oh, everybody's got to be EV, blah, 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 blah. And then they went, oh, wait, our revenue is going down for road use tax, which is taxed through gasoline, to keep the roads repaired. And they're like, oh, wait, uh, hold on. We need more taxes for the people who have gas-powered cars. And then the diesel guys get hosed, too, because there's another tax on top of that. And it's like the EV people, they get the hit on the registration. But just you wait. I guarantee you. As soon as they swap over and they push that EV down your throat, it's going to be more expensive than gas because they got to recoup that road tax. You watch. Stand by. Stand by. Everybody's right. like, oh, it's going to be so cheap. And then wait till they find out on the people that have solar on the roof 
and are charging their cars free on their own system, they're going to be like, oh, whoa, well, you you can't take free power from the sun, and they're going to have their hand out. You <laughs> Stand by, it's you coming. You can't take free power it's, from the it's sun. It's coming. It's ridiculous. <laughs> How so. dare you take wind energy? <laughs> when, I, when I bought my 392, it was like, you know, 375 a gallon. I'm going, uh-huh. yeah, that kind of sucks because, you know, back a little while ago, we had a different administration. I think I was paying like I could go back in my phone and because I I log all my uh, all my fuel. I bet I was in the high twos at one point, like two ninety nine no, or three. You, it was three fifteen. No, it was like in the threes. Maybe it was hundred percent in the threes. Yeah, it hasn't been in the twos since you and I were children. No, that's not true. Really, that's not true. All right, while you're looking for that, let me ask you: What do you think the uh, the current average mid grade is? National average mid grade. So like three ninety nine, four thirty two. So this is what I don't understand: when we were younger. Gas always was 10 cents below grades. It was 87 was this, 10 cents more was mid-grade, 10 cents more was premium. Always. Now it's like, well, 87's here, and it's like 30-ish cents to mid-grade. That's like another 60 cents to premium. You're going, what the hell's going on here? Well, speaking of premium, what is the national average for premium? Uh, what was the what was mid-grade? 431.9. Oh, yeah. It's got to be, uh, I'm going to say 454. 465.8. So 4.66 a gallon. All right, now I'm going to hit you with diesel. What uh-huh. is the national average for diesel fuel today? Well, diesel's getting hosed everywhere because I do a lot of traveling around the country and I'm always shocked. So sometimes during the year, the diesel, especially summertime when people aren't using, you know, uh, fuel oil for, you know, warmth and things like that, it's usually less than gasoline. And then wintertime, it's more. I haven't seen it less than gasoline, I think, all summer. And it's probably national average if it's three. 88 for regular. Mm, yep. I'm going to say diesel is probably 425. 458. Man. $4.58. And, and again, and you guys want to know why everything is so expensive with inflation and all that? It's because of transportation costs. Allow us to use our own natural resources for our own energy and watch the entire economy come back in a month. So I hopped in a 2012 Ram on the way here and I, uh, I got like three quarters of a tank. 23.82 gallons. I spent $150.08 at 6.299 a gallon. Well, if we don't get some fuel price relief soon, I may have to uh, start uh, looking at something to supplement my uh, my pricey ride and like that, such as well, it might be a uh, hmm, Nissan Frontier, the 3.8 liter V6, yeah. 310 horse, back by the 9 speed automatic. Nice tie. You in like there. what I got in there? I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, yeah. Gets about double the uh, fuel economy, and uh, you can pick one out today and at it, your local dude, Nissan dealer. And it hauls a lot more than your current ride. Like you can put a lot of stuff in that truck. I mean, I can take the roof off my current ride. So you what do you got to do? You don't have a bed. I'll turn it into a pickup truck. I'll fold the seats down, and then I'm, it's got a short bed. Blah in the back. blah blah. It's, it doesn't haul as much, or it's not as efficient. Definitely not as quiet. And by the way, the sound system might not even be as good as what's in the Frontier. I mean, the Frontier is pretty good. If you uh, step up for the uh, Fender Premium Audio, it's uh, it's pretty nice, and it's that truck strong. is very quiet. So uh, if you're looking for a new truck, check out NissanUSA.com, where you can build and price your Nissan Frontier or a Titan or Titan XD. Both of the Titans come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, and none of those Nissan trucks will let you down. All right, Holman, if you had to guess, what is the most popular current model Ram air intake that Banks offers? Is it the Ford, is it the Ram, or is it the Duramax? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ram. Dang. Am I right again? Dang. 
Dang. Yeah, and I'm so just killing it today. I, you know, Banks kind of has become the Duramax people. Yeah. But the Ram is like a runaway success. Well, yeah, because everybody's like, I need more power like my friends in the Fords and Duramaxes. I'm telling I'm you. I'm not saying the Cummins is short on power, but I just spent a weekend one. It's very nice. But- it's no Duramax or six seven. No, it takes a little while to get in the yeah, boost. There's a little it, bit of yeah, a, some lag, a, some latency there. Yeah, so we're not talking about Pedal Monster here. We're talking about the Ram Air intake. So if you guys want the best cold air intake available, prove it on the flow bench, test it in the vehicle. Go to BanksPower.com to get your Ram Air intake. Not only does it provide more power. It increases fuel economy, and it greatly extends the maintenance intervals because the big-ass filter has so much surface area. Go to BanksPower.com, type in your year, make, and model to get your Ram Air intake. All right, uh, before we start the show, uh, I think it's hilarious that we're talking about fuel prices because this show is going to be my trip to guess who. Oh, you went to uh, America's Most Wanted 4x4. I went to uh, the land of milk and honey for uh, V8 enthusiasts, where they're shoving engines all the way up to a 1,000-horsepower elephant inside Gladiators and Wranglers. I got to drive them. We did a shop tour with Jared Pettiprin, who's the owner. Dude, freaking awesome. And the best part tell was... Me, wait, wait, wait. Tell wait me. I just, hold on. Oh, okay. I, I, I got to get this out. They let me drive, and they didn't charge me gas. They tossed me the keys and they said, go take it out. And I'm like, what do I owe you? How much money did you burn in fuel? The answer is all of it. All of it. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on the The Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. All right, Holman, uh, set the stage for me. How did you end up at America's Most Wanted 4x4? I mean, did you, were you asked to go? Were you, you've been talking about it for months. Yeah, I've been trying to get out there forever. And so uh, Jared had me uh, come out to uh, do some stuff with him. And I said, well, let's uh, do a podcast interview while I'm here. And so we stayed late one night and walked around the shop. And he took me all the way from the back door. All through all the parts, all the way to the front door where the customers are, and walk me through the whole process of building one of their bespoke factory built AMW 4x4 builds. So there's two sides there's the factory built, they get a brand new vehicle, they literally tear it apart, body off the frame, every nut, bolt, wire, everything. And then you can, you know, buy it directly from them. Or they have an upfit center where if you already have a vehicle, you can bring it to them. I have so much more respect. Not that I didn't before. I thought their products were amazing. But seeing the level of engineering, uh, how much OE they put into it, how they service the vehicles, how they treat their customers, because I was there for a few days, just an unbelievable experience. And I walked out there going, damn, these guys are even more legit than I thought. So I walked around with Jared. And so we'll do two things. Uh, We've got the first will be the interview. And then I went on a, like a 10 or 15 mile drive in a uh, 840 horsepower Demon Wrangler, and there'll be some uh, you know, takeaways from that that we can pull out. Wait, 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 wait. Is this the uh, the photo that I saw where it's sitting on 42s? Uh, that would be 42s on 20s. <laughs> I mean, dude, the thing was just gnarly. You just tip into the throttle, and it would just go, and you're like, oh my god. And the thing I'll say, did you feel I, like you own a wuss uh, truck now? No, no, not at all. I'm no? very happy with what I have because uh, I cannot afford the fuel bill on those other ones. But uh, here's what I'll tell you. 
One of the things that impressed me the most is when I drove, so they let me drive several different levels. I drove a Elephant, which there's a few of those in the world, period, because I think they only made, I don't know, like 100 engines or something like that. Do you go into detail in the interview where you talk about the differences of Elephant and Yeah, yeah. Cat- so, so we'll okay. talk about that. But okay. But what I wanted to say is in the Elephant, because it's camier, it makes that, the power delivery is not as smooth. The Demon with the 840 was like unbelievable. It's like the sweet spot. Not that the Elephant, I mean, you could totally drive the Elephant, but it's like driving a red eye or something. Is like that. it more like a light switch where it just, it's, it's, no, it's just lopier. And so the power delivery is just, it's just different. And I just felt like the 840 Demon felt so integrated. The shifts were amazing. There was no weirdness to driving it. It literally felt like it was right off the factory line. So totally streetable. Completely streetable. Well, they put their on these things. They do a full frame off and do their own suspension. We'll get into that. Um, the whole chassis is completely changed. So, driving it was amazing. The brakes felt good. There were no lights on the dash. Power delivery was amazing, and the transmission shifts were so fast. It it you stock trans. Uh, we'll get into that. Okay, okay. but but no, not a stock trans. Okay. So it's just amazing that you could put all of that into a Wrangler, and what is coming out the back door of that place is something you could hand your wife. Well, you could hand it to my wife because she, she would she would use it. She would use it and we would have lots of tickets and then <laughs> I would have to bail her out of jail. But most people you could just hand it to a family member and go go drive it. I mean it was just it was that easy to drive and and that's what I walked away with being the most impressed about was the the culmination of everything they go through to make these vehicles really is a bespoke high-end vehicle that is uh, commensurate with the price because these are not entry level vehicles. Do you go into pricing? Uh we can. We can't hit now. Would you play the interview already? This is Holman in Holly, Michigan. All right, Lightning. So uh, I am somewhere that you wish you were. And uh, I did not invite you once again. Sorry, not sorry. I'm standing here with Jared Pettiprin, who is the owner and founder of America's Most Wanted 4x4. You guys on the podcast know that he's uh, been on the show before. And you will know him as the guy that shoved elephants into uh, Wranglers and Gladiators. All I can tell you is I've been trying to get out here for a few years now and to be at the facility and see literally box after box of crate engine, see uh, demons and hellcats and even a couple of the uh, hundred elephants ever made. I got pictures. I saw them. I was there. I touched them. Jared, thanks for inviting me out. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. Appreciate the opportunity. It's nice to, uh, last time we did this remotely, so it's we got that warm and fuzzy feeling when we're doing it together like this now. I've got a question for you. We, we've talked about the business before. You've been on the podcast before. But the thing I'm really curious about is the process. And so I figured while we were out here in Holly, Michigan, beautiful Holly, Michigan, by the way, you would maybe give us a shop tour. And uh, everybody's gone home for the day. We've got the whole building to ourselves. And I figured maybe we can walk around. You can describe what happens. A customer calls you up, says, I want XYZ vehicle. They get on the build list. And then what happens when their ve- it's time for their vehicle to uh, enter the conversion process? Yeah, so there's a couple different uh, directions uh, somebody can choose to go. They may have already purchased a, uh, a Jeep Wrangler or Jeep Gladiator, and, and they want to do that upgrade uh, um, to quench their thirst. Um, so at that point, they have this stock vehicle that maybe they've been uh, driving back and forth to work or using on the weekends, and or we can source a vehicle for them. Um, that's the direction that it seems the majority 
of our customers uh, seem to be going now is they literally purchased the vehicle from us. They're, um, we can spec it any any way. Um, they can, you know you order it right through Jeep the same way. They just get delivered to us. And then there's also uh, the dealer network, which is basically dealerships that send us the vehicles that are on their floor plan, uh, and we build them for resale. So there is inventory out there. It's the stuff sells pretty quick, so it's it's not like you're going to go out there and find 50 of them for sale right now. Um, uh, we'll figure we we'll start with the process with the donor vehicle on site, knowing that the donor vehicle could be for resale or it could belong to somebody or it could be special, you know, special ordered in for somebody. So what we'll key on primarily today is the turnkey vehicle program. Which, by the way, is freaking awesome. If you guys could see, literally, when you do a turnkey at America's Most Wanted, Every nut and bolt is removed. The body's removed from the frame. They're putting their own bolts that you guys had manufactured with your logo. There's no zinc bolts that you got at Home Depot anywhere. It's it's an amazingly bespoke package, and you have everything from the 505 all the way up to the 1,000 horsepower Elephant. And basically, your packages are AMW 707. That equates to the 707 horsepower Hellcat package. And you've got you know the 1,000. Was it the 840, 840. for the Demon? Yes, sir. You can go all the way up all the way from a non-supercharged, normally aspirated Hemi V8 all the way up to the Big Daddy. Although, if you do want to go Elephant, you better have a, a lot of coin <laughs> and there's only 100 made. There's not. There, there really is a finite uh, number of them left in the world. Yeah, they are definitely scarce, and that's for sure. So we were, we were able to uh, purchase 19 of them and we're down to the last few of them. So um, we do have something in the works uh, going forward, but right now we have uh, a few of the uh, nostalgic uh, elephant crate engines. The serial numbers started six and went up to a 105. Uh, we imagine that the first five blocks went for marketing and R&D purposes. You so, mean destructive testing? <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> so we did end up with uh, serial number six, seven, eight, and nine, which was pretty cool. Those I were, saw seven sitting over there, and I think yeah. I saw 101. 101, yep, yep. So a friend of mine has number 100 uh, squirreled away. He His uh, left strict instructions uh, with his wife that if anything were to happen to him, she is to re- contact America's Most Wanted 4x4. <laughs> four four, so that's serial number 100. We'll probably do something special with that at some point. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna break this down, and there's only one way to eat an elephant, and that's one bite at a t- at a time. So we're gonna go through the seven steps. And uh, step one is um, the vehicle comes in, and it literally gets dismantled and and split into uh, two. It uh, the takeoff parts are consumed so much real estate that as the vehicle is being taken apart. It's very important that the parts not being used, which is the majority of them, gets packaged at that time so that um, these are premium brand new parts. And it's important for us to uh, preserve them because they will be going to collision shops and service uh, facilities. And and for guys like us that want to put these things back together in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, who knows? So step one, um, vehicle comes in, the donor vehicle comes in and we uh, literally eliminate, remove headlights, uh, hood, bumpers, suspension, axles, transfer cases, uh, interior carpet. I mean, you're it, dismantling a completely, perfectly good vehicle so that you can basically start from scratch. Yep, our donor, our average donor vehicle is approximately sixty-five thousand dollars. We um, we get a lot of questions as to why we start with a Rubicon or a Mojave and 
Um, that's the direction we've chose. Um, it doesn't hurt having that VIN number. And then they come with the Highline flares. And if we use the Rubicon model, it comes with the transfer case we prefer to use. And, um, and, and if we use the Mojave, it, it comes with the 392 hood. And we just do some, some uh, work on that, uh, add a couple things to it to, to make it work with our, our program. So as the vehicle comes into step one, uh, it comes apart and... Um, we have chassis carts, and the the uh, frame will basically be stripped down to nothing, and it will go into our fabrication department, and the body will go onto a body body cart. What will happen during the fabrication process? The chassis cart goes in. We strip all the suspension brackets off. We uh, strip the engine cradles off, and we, depending on what version of our turnkey that we're building. Sometimes the shock towers are removed, uh, the frames are gusseted, um, the sway bar revisions are added, uh, uh, shock towers are added. Um, we have a, a coolant tank revision that goes in for sand dune type stuff or basically long durations of elevated wear and tear. <laughs> yeah, so th- thermal, So, and I've seen your tank, so basically you're talking about re-engineering the vehicle once you've removed all of the factory pieces. You're starting from a, a frame foundation. And for thermal management, obviously big blowers, you got a lot of heat. Jeep hood is or engine bay is pretty small. You have custom tanks with you know coolant pumps that run back and um, those are, I guess, homed <laughs> inside the frame rails. And that is additional. You know, I think a lot of people ask, well, how do you keep them cool? How can you go play in the sand? You've you've taken Years into account practice. all of that. You yeah, you guys have added quite the uh, yeah. cooling system, cooling stack to manage all that heat. Obsession. <laughs> it's taken a long time for us to refine this. Um, it's. I mean, we, we've got a fantastic team, and we've literally continued to sand the edges. And there's no better way to refine your product and evolve your product line other than using it. And um, um, our our pro, our turnkey program is really set up to. Encompass pretty much every aspect of the automotive enthusiast. I mean, we were these are vehicles that you could show up at an exotic car show and be relevant and and draw a crowd. That you could take them to the quarter mile drag track. You could take them to the sand dunes, the ice cream store, a, a, a hot rod show. I mean, Moab or the Rubicon. Right, still, they're exactly. still jeeps. They Absolutely. still work as jeeps. Yep. And where are we standing now? By the way, this is this the door where they come in. This yes. is where it all starts. Yep. Yep. This area we're standing in. It, it looks somewhat warehouse like. Um, and there's parts being staged for the process. So this area uh, are, is generally the parts are turned over in 30 to 90 days at the most. And this is um, where we're staging our, for our eight lug chassis program. The, our, our turnkey program is built from the foundation up and, and we want to provide an experience. And, and when we say we want to provide an experience, we want it to be a rewarding and uh, uh, enjoyable experience. And, and what that requires is is a complete re-engineer of these vehicles. And um, so these vehicles are getting uh, long arm suspensions, spindled eight lug axles, 60 series front, 80 series rear, eight piston caliper brakes, 14 and a half inch rotors, one and a half ton steering, cylinder assist, uh, new drive lines um, that the interiors are being gutted and sound deadening. Um, we we worked with a sound lab, a two million dollar sound lab, to go through and re-engineer uh, basically how the acoustics come through the floor. And so these vehicles are are very. You can use yourself, you know, hands free, guys, hands free. <laughs> uh, so uh, don't do anything crazy. Yeah. So we're, we're unless you stop on the skinny pedal, then you want yeah. to be using your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're at a really cool 
um, point in our journey because we have this very reliable and enjoyable, um, very stable, uh, you know, drive with two fingers at triple digits on a close course. On close course. Close course. I will tell you today that I had an opportunity to drive one of your thousand packages and it was pouring rain and a couple things that this is the first time I've driven one and I'll tell you first thing I noticed is how incredible the highway ride is second thing I noticed is how stable it is in turns and handling third thing I noticed is when you stomp on it and you're in the rain and it's two-wheel drive and it goes sideways it's very easy to correct and go straight again yeah you can sit there and talk to your blue in the face but until you put somebody behind the wheel they're just going to think you're you're selling some trying to sell something and you know 32 years into my jeep ownership uh you know um i am more excited and more obsessed with this stuff than ever you know and you would think after 32 years of being a jeep owner that it would start to fade but uh, um these are such incredible machines these are it's still a Jeep, and I don't want to take the credit away from, from Jeep for that by any means, but uh, we've spent so much time tuning these suspensions. So the suspensions have been dialed in for the additional sprung weight. The shocks have been valved for the thrust and the sprung weight. You have a really fantastic anti-squad geometry in the rear mm-hmm. uh, because when you hammer it, the, the front barely lifts, and that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting a soft Jeep suspension where the whole body lifts. And sure, there's a little bit as you, you know, the weight transfers rearward, but I was amazed at how well the anti-squad was in the rear suspension geometry. Yeah, so the first thing we realized when we started um, playing with the Gladiators was that the rear suspension was set up, the rear of the the vehicle is almost a mirror to the Ram 1500, which is set up for towing. And uh, we we quickly realized that we needed to correct that geometry back there. And it it took some time and it took some finesse. And, you know, we originally, uh, the, the first prototype pieces were, we gave ourselves multiple placement to, to get it right. Moving forward on this, is it's a heavily tuned foundation. These aren't parts that are going to break and, and somebody's going to get injured because a tire and wheel comes off from a unit bearing or a, or a tire, a, a, a rear axle shaft, a um, flanged style axle shaft fails and you have a 160-pound tire. These are vehicles on closed course, of course, that you could literally set the cruise at 135, 140 miles an hour and they are so scary smooth, scary smooth, that you cannot tell the speed that you're traveling in. They are very comfortable. Um, you know, we've got a gear reduction in the steering box, and everything has been, honestly, uh, everything has been over-engineered and, and very, very, very methodically well thought out to a, the point of obsession, I mean, honestly. So uh, we've got uh, 55 people in the building now, it's very departmentalized. We have a product development department. We have, um, we have uh, tech support for our dealer network. We have approximately 45 certified dealers now. But, uh, but yeah, so the, um, the beginning process, the vehicle, just like in Toledo, at the end, <laughs> at the end of this, these vehicles were designed to... It's Toledo in reverse. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. You know, and we capitalized on that. You know, they, they were designed to be split. Uh, you know, it's a pretty modular setup. And and we just reverse that, and uh, and we so as we go into step two, which I call, yeah. is called the fabrication department. Our Trinky program it originally started out with with three options, and we do still have the third option. I can't even remember the last time we sold uh, uh, the other option, but it's really simple. Everything is adjustable, 
So, and, and it's so important when you're building a performance vehicle. It, it, you see so many suspension companies that are trying to offer these price point um, products. And I get it, you know, uh, they, they take the guesswork out of it, but there's so much tolerance in the fixturing. Yeah, so every component is adjustable, you know, upper and lower control arms, adjustable, track bars, adjustable. That, that's the one thing we sell. I won't even put a suspension, um, I, you know, our team will not sell a suspension unless it is 100% fully adjustable and, and then it goes on to a $150,000 align, laser alignment rack and, and is dialed in to perfection. We take this very, very serious. There's nothing more insulting than when somebody says, what do you expect? It's a Jeep. Why do you think it should drive? It should drive a, a sports car-like on, on, on road and incredibly off-road at the dunes or at the track. Um, so so in, in this department, there's two things can happen. We have our long travel uh, suspension, which is uh, the coilover. Um, it's a two and a half inch coilover setup, 14 inch travel with uh, uh, two inch air bumps. That process is, we're building those, we're physically doing a frame replacement on those. We're ordering five to 10 Mopar dot frames and uh, so that we don't have somebody's vehicle for a long duration of time. So uh, we, we build an advance on the coilover uh, chassis because it's very, very time consuming. This stuff is all, it's, this is not bolt on parts. These are permanent parts. This is something that it has been built. It's not a rework or a re-engineer. It's not daisy chaining parts and pieces together to try to get the results that you wished that it just had from the beginning. This is getting the results from the beginning. And it's a very long and it's, it's tedious and uh, time consuming and, it, and, and without an army, it just would not be doable. This isn't something going through and fully fabricating the frame and then the coilover frames go out and get sandblasted and powder coated. If it's a, a long arm suspension, you know, we, we do all, all our brackets are weld on. We don't have bolt on. I get it. People want to do things in the driveway. They want to do things with their family. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We totally support that. But we, we want our stuff to stay in the right spot. We don't want any torque steer. We want everything permanently mounted. And how we do that is every, everything gets welded by professional welders. Once uh, the, the I, we call this the long arm, and a, it's, we reference it as a quadricoil suspension. So we have a coilover suspension and a quadricoil suspension. Both are long arm. Both have the same geometry. Once the fabrication is done on the quadricoil long arms, that chassis goes into our paint booth and they clean it up and make it pretty with a nice industrial paint that'll hold up that's the fabrication portion do you have any questions i know i'm moving kind of yeah no this is perfect i was actually going to say earlier today one of the things i noticed in fabrication which is something you guys do but probably don't do all the time there's a gladiator bed in here being bobbed yeah we do those all the time really okay (laughs) that that popular i guess the gladiator does have a pretty big overhang yeah miss peyton has probably done 25 of those things now so it by the way i saw one over on the other side that was done I saw this one that was freshly put together, but you know she's cleaning all the cut marks out of it. Everything had been welded and had been shortened, but no paint or bodywork yet. And when you see one with paint and bodywork, it's indistinguishable from stock. You cannot tell that it was ever cut and bobbed. Yeah. I like to reference it as seamless. And if the donor vehicle arrives, God forbid it arrives with, with line X or a bed liner in it, it throws us a little curveball. It adds probably 15 to 25 hours worth of work because we strip it, you yeah. know. But when we're done with it, um, you, with with the process, it, it it looks like it rolled off the Toledo assembly line like this. And 
and this is a guy speaking that took one to Easter Jeep Safari in 2022. And then we sold it right before the event. This was our, one of our company, uh, Bob Bed uh, 707 eight lug uh, gladiators. I, they put me in one that had the, the standard bed, we'll reference it as. And I was, it was, I won't ever go back yeah. without a Bob Bed gladiator. Yeah. And, I, and I, I absolutely love the gladiators. I'm, I've, uh, I've been a diehard Jeep guy for 32 years and, 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 I love the gladiators. When they're done right, the suspension's yeah. dialed in, the bed's shortened, they got 700. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Hellcat, and it's not, it's just such Well, that's a, what the gladiator misses. Uh, I almost think that even, I know I know you're for the Hellcat, but I would think like the, the 505 package that's a fantastic would be perfect. You put, you put that in a gladiator? I mean, yeah. come on. That's, yeah. it's a abs- it, it is such a, a, an enjoyable experience uh, with the 392. Um, that's like the best daily driver type yeah. vehicle, right? You don't yeah. need the blow. I mean, yeah. Great. I had a TRX for a year. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. But sometimes just a normally aspirated, good old pushrod V8 with a lot of torque and big size. Yeah. And I can imagine in a Gladiator that that is yeah. the absolutely mm-hmm. great daily driver setup for anybody. Uh, absolutely. And I, you know, we integrated a lot of the um, electronics and technology from the TRX. We, uh, in January of 2021, we made this, you know, this was a big push for us, a big uh, investment. And I bought my first TRX and I thought, that I would, could be a TRX guy. Yeah. You know, I've been a Jeep guy since yeah. I was 15. I can tell you that I'm not a TRX guy. Once you have driven, <laughs> once you have daily driven an AMW 8 lug with the suspension dialed in and, yeah. and 700 horsepower, one, it will chew a TRX up and spit it out for breakfast, even in parking lots. Yeah. I mean, getting on the highway, off road. You know, TRX is a big truck. It it's heavy. It's wide. Yeah, they're an amazing truck. And I had but, a chance to buy a TRX. Mm-hmm. And I went and got my 392 yeah, Wrangler because I still love my Wrangler. Yeah, yeah. no, I, they are an amazing. Yeah. I'm so, we're so fortunate that yeah. we got the TRX. So yeah. um, there is an absolute place for it. Sometimes you just got five, uh, you know, adults, and you yeah. just gotta have it, you know. Yeah. But uh, I have actually transitioned back into a TRX probably eight times, <laughs> literally eight times. Uh, he might say it's ten. Uh huh. There's just no comparison. The way the suspension's set up, the way there's virtually no body roll, the way this, yeah. with the gear reduction in the steering and the way they handle, I get geeked up thinking about it 32 years into this process. I'm, I was blown away, honestly. The steering effort was fantastic. There wasn't like your typical dead on center latency from a Ram. It felt tight. And the other thing I'll say Very, is I was really blown away at, you must have the pedal ratio and the master cylinder dialed because the brakes were very linear mm-hmm. and they weren't overly grabby and they were very easy to modulate on. I think we had 40 inch tires on the one we were driving today. And those are the things that I think about as an automotive journalist who drives a bunch of stuff. I hate grabby brakes. Mm-hmm. I hate steering that isn't nicely weighted or that wanders. Dead nuts straight on the highway, super easy to get into the brakes safely. Um, it was, I, I, I got to tell you, I was really impressed. It's literally been a long journey. At the time has vaporized, but looking back at it, you know, where we wanted to be and what it took to get there. And you just have to have so much patience. I mean, just, it's not, this is a really a divide and conquer situation. And like I said, I'm, I'm at this rewarding point in my career where I'm hiding little 
emblems and I'm, and I'm and doing <laughs> sound deadening and thermal flooring and I'm, I mean it's just such a it's just it's just such a, I mean it's literally the American dream we're so proud of this stuff we just love to get people behind the wheel to just check it out and and see because it's just talking to you actually yeah. experience it and and in the experience it's incredible. It's, it really truly is. It's visceral in the sense that it's a driver's vehicle. So many cars today are on autopilot. They're so easy to drive with their eyes closed. Mm-hmm. This one is easy to drive. It still demands your attention. Mm-hmm. And you still get a lot of feedback. You still know what the chassis is doing, what the vehicle's Absolutely. doing. So, But, yeah, so this is the fabrication portion. We're going to move on to uh, step three. So. All right, so we're now walking down. The building is basically split in uh, two sides, and we're on the one side of it, and we're leaving the fab bay. The building's a little bit longer than a, a football field, and to give you a gauge. Before we get down to step three, we're going to just stop in the powertrain division. Yep. So this is kind of, the, uh, ironically, the heartbeat of the I see a 5.7. Yeah. I see uh, a th- it's 392. Yes. And then the two elephants here in the middle, which you can tell because of the black uh, supercharger uh, mm-hmm. shroud and then also the, the green, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, high temp belts on there. And the uh, ATI How damper. Yeah. yeah. This has been a very, it's, it's an orchestra. I mean, so these, um, we, we sell. We the front accessory drive, by the way, is amazing. Like, <laughs> how, who figured out how to, I mean, it looks like snakes. It's... I can tell you who, <laughs> I, I can tell you whoever packaged that, um, that supercharger um, pull, um, belt system is, is a genius. Yeah. To basically what they did, and we got to give them credit because this just didn't happen ten, you know, ten years ago. You just didn't see stuff like this. But somebody methodically figured out a way to keep all the accessories and pulleys in the exact same location. So these, this is such a modular program. I often refer, reference it as it's my Mr. Potato Head. I'll build it how I like. <laughs> it is a very, very, very modular program. And um, one would think when you look at it uh, with the supercharger, you would think, oh, my God, that has to have a different alternator. That has to have a different AC compressor. That has to have a different idler pulleys. That has to have, it, and it, here right next to it is a 392, and you can literally unbolt pieces off of this accessory drive and put it right on the front of the elephant. Absolutely. What they, what they did was so creative. I, I mean, it just the first time I got my hands on one, I... I was just so impressed, but basically what they did is they clearanced the timing cover and they clearanced the, um, they shortened up the oil pan and they literally made clearance to put this pulley system in behind the OEM accessory drive. This accessory drive, we originally got this accessory drive in, in 2011 was the first year this, this mapping of this accessory drive um, came out. Up until then, we, the WK1s, the accessory drive was about five-eighths of an inch tighter to the block. And uh, they'd made the clearance uh, behind all the factory pulleys and, and uh, components, accessories. And I'd love to meet the guy or girl, yeah. or girl, <laughs> or girl or girl that came up with that because you just don't see that. Yeah. You just don't. There's such a disconnect on stuff. Uh, Somebody that, really wanted to make this happen. Yes, they sure did. And, and I tell you, it's, uh, you can be really close-minded very easily when you're looking at this stuff. But... We got to remember this is our, we're very passion driven and enthusiasts, but there's people working at the OEMs. It's just a job for them. They're trying to provide for their family and and live a good life, but it's just part numbers and parts to them. Whereas we're obsessed with this stuff, but the person that ran this program and, and, and created the clearance, it's about two inches of clearance that they had to come up with for the pulley system. 
And, I mean, they just really hit a grand slam. I, I, I reference it as an engineering marvel. <laughs> so, so um, powertrain division. So we um, are uh, fortunate to own a, uh, another uh, subsidiary to uh, America's Most Wanted 4x4. We own a, a Mopar distribution company, and, and we're blessed and thankful to be the largest consumer of, the, of powertrain in the crate engine program. So we, we consume more Hemi crate engines than anyone in the world. Uh, so what happens here is we're, we're, we're building approximately 7 to 10 powertrains a week. And I like to use reference, um, I just kind of coined the reference package versus kit just to kind of define things because, you know, you can really get uh, caught up in tomato, tomato. Sure. But to me, or America's Most Wanted 4x4, a package is, is a business model that I reference as a to Z, yeah, full accountability, warranty, customer service. Um, that's a package to me. If you're purchasing something and you have to add something to it, this isn't in the dictionary, but we just wanted to define it here. Yeah. So we would reference that as, a, as more of a kit. So I'm looking at you've got basically the ability to have three engines that you're building side by side. Mm-hmm. And you say build engines and everybody was going, well, wait a minute. Isn't he consuming crate engines? Mm-hmm. Yet here we have what looks like a normally aspirated 392 orange block mm-hmm. and right next to it looks like it must be a demon yes. because it's a red block and red valve covers yes, and they're pulled apart yes. so tell yeah. me what's going yeah. on you buy yeah. this perfectly good yeah. crate engine and just yeah. like the jeep yeah. you pull it apart all right i exactly i know it, it, it's it's quite the business model <laughs> so you know and this is uh, uh, we get these phone calls all the time i can buy a hellcat engine on ebay and, and that's only 15 grand why is your conversion so much that's one part number of 500. It's just literally one part of 500. And there is uh, a lot of assembly and labor that goes into this. But the big thing at the end of the day is, this is our Picasso, don't get me wrong, but unfortunately the framework, the canvas was already created and we have to paint within the lines. And, And when I say that, it literally takes, and we have parts from the Ram truck from the Challenger, the Charger, the Grand Cherokee, the Jeep Commander. So we have to basically put this modular Mr. Potato Head has to fit in into the vehicle. The axle has to clear the oil pan. So the car engines, we build our powertrains with non-MDS engines. And non-MDS engines are more robust engine. And and the non-MDS engines are are in manual transmission vehicles. MDS engines work off pressures, line pressure in the uh, automatic transmissions. And uh, um, you'll hear it uh, in a parking lot or, or even if you own one, uh, uh, you'll, you can hear it cylinder deactivation. It almost sounds like the engine has a, a tick or a, you know, like. Uh, so MDS, multi-displacement system, mm-hmm. and basically disconnects half the engine uh, from creating power so that it becomes an air pump on one side and a four-cylinder on the other to save you know, on fuel economy or increase fuel economy. It's one of the many tricks they've used over the years. But those who have performance engines who are stuck with MDS with a stick, you can hear the tonal change, whether it's a 392 or many other Ram truck or any of the cars, even the performance versions with automatics. When it goes into four-cylinder mode, there's a different harmonic uh, resonance in the chassis and in the exhaust that's not necessarily always pleasing to the ear. Absolutely. I agree 100%. The other thing is is um, this very debatably. Uh, these are uh, We are building aerodynamically challenged 
heavy vehicles. What? Aerodynamically challenged. <laughs> In breaking news. <laughs> yes. So what we have found is we can build uh, an AMW 8-lug 505 Wrangler or an AMW 8-lug 505 Gladiator, which is um, using the non-MDS 392 powertrain with the 8-speed, 8HP 75 eight-speed transmission, which is, uh, we use the, the variant that comes in the Ram 2500, with 40-inch tires, 6,000 pounds, call it, in, in, depending on the top and what you, sure. a spare tire, tire carrier, whatever it may be. So they, they, we, we see them fall within the 5,800 to 6,200 on the high side, unless somebody's waiting it for, you know, overlanding or sure, something. Sure. So these are very, very heavy vehicles, spindled one-ton axles, you know, the big brakes, and with 40-inch tires and a non-MDS engine, and we're, we're raising them. You know, uh, we in the rear, we uh, do a 2-inch lift spring on most of them. And up front, we do approximately a 3-inch lift spring. And then we're getting lift out of the, the spindled 1680 series axles that we have built. 40-inch tires. So you're getting, they are taller. Uh, all our turnkey uh, vehicles do have electric drop-down rocker guard steps. But uh we have reports of people getting 17, 18 miles to the gallon with these these 60, 100-pound vehicles. And I was always very apprehensive to share data like that because I would never want someone to think our, we're blowing smoke. You know, yeah. our business model isn't blowing smoke. We build performance-oriented vehicles that are that are the reduced-to-ridiculous model. I mean, a daily driver, you know, track, you know. We've tried to encompass everything that an automotive enthusiast would do with these. So we wouldn't want to be blowing smoke over one or two miles per gallon. Uh, at the end of the day, you, it, you know, we should all be concerned about how we spend our money. But if if you're really concerned about 14 to 16 miles to a gallon, it's probably not a good daily driver for you. Um, As but, a driver of a 392, I can attest to that. Yeah, to love the vehicle yeah. more than you love your checkbook. Yeah, we hang three engines at a time. They they do the accessory drive conversion. They do the exhaust manifold conversion they do a rear steel sump oil pan and the reason I, i'm an old school four-wheeler yep. i mean we i can't tell you how many times we were as young men out in the in the middle of nowhere in jb welding yep a, a, a tin a rear sump oil pan so when the I'll, I'll throw this out there for people who are listening when the 392 first came out it had the aluminum oil sump on it and the new ones since about what 22 and a half or so have the cast or the pressed steel uh, sump and a lot of people were upset because they thought the cast aluminum one looks so much cooler yeah. and they oh they're being cheap well yeah. really it's a durability yeah. play because yeah, you can hit that on a rock and still get home yeah. if you hit the aluminum pan on a rock you're done i've literally seen somebody drop a brand new uh, aluminum pan uh, 18 maybe uh, we'll call it 24 inches onto concrete and it shattered Ugh. so so think about that so we we really do go back in time on a lot of things and, and, and including the steering you know we eliminate the electric uh, steering and we go to a um, belt driven pump system because it works fantastic you know with the gear um, the reduction in the steering box and and then running a cylinder assist versus a steering stabilizer these vehicles are so rigid and and so I mean they're not too touchy by no. any means uh, but you, when you touch the wheel 
the vehicle moves. There is no, it isn't like a 1995 Dodge Ram 3500. <laughs> I mean, these vehicles are very precision and very, very, very well thought out by a, a man who's literally a, a been so obsessed that he tortures himself daily. <laughs> so, um, so we get engines upfitted to, uh, on the engine stands uh, so that they fit within the frame rails and and fit with uh, in the firewall and and have the right AC compressors. There's a couple different variants of AC compressors. The further and further into the evolution of the automobile uh, manufacturing processes, uh, you see the manufacturers trying to package, they're trying to lean uh, on their uh, tier one suppliers to package more sensors and more accountability into each component, less things for them to manage parts. So there's a couple of different variants of, of compressors. There's some, uh, a couple of different variants of alternators. We always put the biggest alternators that are production-based because we like that. You know, the production parts are designed for 100,000-plus mile of vehicles. You know, they don't want to be warrantying that stuff. Um, but there's some intelligent uh, alternators on, um, that um, are LIN, LIN bus-controlled uh, and, and heat-sensitive, in fact. So air intake or the underhood temps you know these things are so intelligent now that you know they'll back it down if if it's got plenty of um power and it's not hurting for or um the alternator goes into a free spin uh, idle to pull resistance from the um from the pulley system so from there the crate engine the uh, the dressed i'll reference it as a dressed uh crate engine goes over into these what we call powertrain sleds Again, this is an in-house term. I don't know what other people would reference. Basically a custom cart with motor mounts on it that you can sync the complete trans. I'll say the the married trans and engine together on a stand with wheels and take it to the next station. Yeah. One of the problems I early into this, the evolution of of being a Jeep builder and powertrain distributor, I realized is, is when you're shipping out powertrains, it gets a little risky out there depending on, you know, if the truck driver's having a bad day with his girlfriend or if the roads are bad. So I was like, well, you know what? These powertrains stay in the vehicles. A vehicle gets in an accident and it flips upside down. These powertrains don't pop out. Can you imagine if someone got in an accident or powertrain popped out? I guess it was probably in the middle of 2018 I said, I want to ship these powertrains just like they are in, in a chassis uh, so that I can guarantee that they, when they get to our certified dealers that they're the way we shipped them out. And so we spend a, quite a bit of money on these crates and these powertrain sleds. So these uh, are basically powertrain sleds uh, that are on wheels. Uh, ultimately, they'll end up in something almost identical, which is a, a crate. And these uh, this is a more of a hybrid setup where... Once the engine is in there, we have a tray uh, or a, basically a slide so our, our teammates can, a primitive uh, assembly process where the transmission goes uh, onto a tray, uh, a shelf essentially, and slides in and you can get everything um, lined up and you're not muscling and fighting uh, an engine block in a bell housing essentially. So these A to Z engine conversion packages, not kits, engine conversion packages are almost set up literally to run in the crate the harnesses are on them you know the o2 sensors are in the manifolds the i mean every single thing that we can control the variable so that when we're doing tech support and we've got the i truly believe we have the world's greatest tech support we have three to four guys um, working to keep our dealer network supported 
and service and maintain and update vehicles remotely. We want to have a fighting chance in knowing what we're working with. So it's important that the harnesses aren't hand built. They're built. Our harnesses are built by the same supply, literally our same supplier since 2014. And we actually found this supplier. They were a Jeep supplier. They used to build the Grand Cherokee harnesses. So our, our powertrain harnesses are basically mirrored off of Grand Cherokees and the Hellcats are basically mirrored off Hellcats. So if we're out in the field or you're in Italy or Germany or wherever you may have this incredible machine, the wiring is traceable. So we've put so much time and thought into this to make this stuff. Um, and you're not just selling conversion up front. You're selling for the long haul. Absolutely. Maintenance down the line and being able to keep these vehicles alive without, you know, with or without the dealer network. The, the end user can figure out kind of what you guys have done. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and, and our powertrain um, conversions, we, we've taken as many factory OEM parts and, and used them. Again, from various models, all, all Hemi-based, but the reason for that is, is it's just so serviceable. This stuff is, you can take it to any late model uh, service repair garage or collision facility or Chrysler dealer. We have, a, we have a, a, a handful of Chrysler dealers that actually even do the installs for us, but this stuff is very, very, very maintainable and, and repairable need be, and um, so that and that's the whole. We want this stuff to be usable. We want it to be. It's basically the way we would have liked the vehicle to be built, but with the quality of a billion dollar corporation, sure. uh, and you and piggybacking on all the intelligence and and, and triple digit hundred year plus of knowledge that that they have. So on the powertrain side, I re- and this isn't to sound cocky or arrogant. There re- there isn't really anybody that can hold a candle to our tech support, our warranty, our distribution, the inventory. We've got approximately $7 million in inventory. We've got 55 people in this building. And one of the things I'm most very, very, very most proud of is we have our original eight guys. So our retention rate at America's Most Wanted 4x4 is in the 90 percentile. Do some poking around. See how many businesses during COVID were able to retain 90% of their teammates. This is what drives my soul and what what drives this company. Um, so this stuff has been very, very well thought out by very intelligent people that have been beating on four by fours since they've been able to reach the pedals. Uh, you know, I love so, it. Um, but if we ever would have really sat down and scratched out to business case, I don't know if this would have ever happened. It was more of a we're you know we're we're these wrenching kind of guys that want to build the most amazing stuff in the world to kind of prove ourselves and prove you know and we were particular and that was kind of what we were after we knew there was something there don't get me wrong you know i've been playing with hemi uh hemi engines since literally 2004 the year after they came out in the 2003 ram trucks with the 20 inch wheels so we we have we dove heavy in this and there wasn't components to back this up and I won't go into too many details, but thankfully, thankfully, we're in the Detroit area, and we had a lot of people looking so out you for know us. People, well, yeah, we may, may or may not have checked out some pre-production vehicles and got part numbers off of parts to help us with transmissions and PCMs sure. and things. But um, up until uh, the Ram, the 2019 Ram DT launched, we were literally Frankensteining PCMs together. Uh, we were taking uh, 3.6 liter JL PCMs and adding um, 
essentially tying in the additional drivers to to run the um, the extra two uh, cylinders. So, but uh, thankfully, right behind the JL was the 2019 Ram DT. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Because uh, that really, I mean, I still got to picture in, in April of um, two, in 2018, I, I, I found 13 of these. This truck wasn't even available, and I was able to buy 13 of the Ram DT uh, PCMs, and I got pictures on my way back from Warren from the PDC, just grinning ear to ear with these, uh, you know, unobtainable parts, yeah, right. you know, um, because they were building their um, service. And from PCMs to elephants, you got them all, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, wow, what a journey it's been. And, and another thing too, it, people, it's I hear this all the time, and it, honestly, it's a little heart wrenching to hear it. I my background is foundation building. I didn't have all these six, seven, eight thousand horse power i had a 304 amc that's that was my high school bill that was my first 1978 levi's edition 304 <laughs> three speed levi's and, you had yeah, the yeah, seats yeah, yeah cj7 <laughs> had had a cj7 uh in, in case you wanted to have a gal sit on your lap no i'm just kidding uh so <laughs> tilt column that's right. uh, um but uh fortunate that i ended up with a v8 vehicle for my first because you wouldn't really know the therapy. It's so therapeutic. It's yeah. it, unless you've driven one, or you just don't really know. You could be this person that's all worried about the environment and 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 things that you can't really control <laughs> because you've never experienced it. You've never had your soul well, cleansed, or you could be happy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I'm trying to be nice. So we get these incredible powertrains uh, uh, developed, and we I picked three. Uh, premier Jeep shops in America. These were all American-based. And we did end up with one in, in Germany at, at not far down the line. But uh, we picked these three companies to launch this product. I knew that if we launched the product under the America's Most Wanted 4x4 brand, that we wouldn't be able to continue honing and sanding the edges. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, well, why would you let someone else take credit for your work, but these are partners of ours. These are people that we still have amazing relationships with. And one is 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 Ruby Trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruby Trucks uh, in North Carolina. Amazing, yeah. amazing people over there. I can't say enough about them. They actually were chipping in our R and D through that whole year. They the owner would call me and say, "Jared, how are you doing? You know, uh, how's it going? Do you 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 financially okay to keep this R and D going?" I mean. We shut our shop down. Yeah. We were building Ford Jeeps. We were smart. We leased them. The payments were four or 500 bucks a piece on them. But we were full-time, skilled labor, cranking away uh, and, and developing this product. So we, we get these uh, powertrains done. And I assumed why we were shut down developing what I truly believe, you know, this vehicle communication stuff is advanced. I mean, and it's only getting, you know, more and more tricky, but... I assumed that the other people in the industry that managed specific things, I won't go into too much detail, mm-hmm. um, would be honing and refining these other components required yeah. uh, to, to, to build what we would consider an incredible uh, turnkey vehicle. And uh, I remember we got these things together, and it was so funny because uh, they had launched this with the aluminum, these vehicles with the aluminum steering box, and, and I, I, these guys were so proud and happy to give me this first vehicle to drive home. So I drive this uh, t- 2018 
392 J all home. And I come back in the next day and I'm like, this thing drives like shit. And they're looking at me all cross. I'm like, mm-hmm. you got, we got to fix it. Make it like a JK. I said, make it like a JK. So for people to know, the uh, the JK and every previous Jeep had a cast iron box for weight savings and fuel economy. The early JLs until about 2020 had an aluminum box. The problem that they figured out later on is all these steering complaints that came in from JL was because the box would heat up thermally. And then all the tolerances would change and you get, you'd start out in the morning when everything was cold and tight and you'd be like, it steers fine. You go down the freeway for a while or on a hot day and your Jeep would be all over the road. And so eventually they did a TSB and moved everything over to cast iron, which fixed a huge amount of the problems that were happening with that box. So the aluminum box was a huge issue. Yeah. yeah. And, and for those of you that, that wish, uh, if you could think back to the JK, you, you diehard JK owners, <laughs> you, uh, I, and if you ever had to change a steering box on a JK, you know that there was that one pesky bolt that you <laughs> yeah, had to pull yes. the coil spring for. Yes. So, and we complained about it for the whole duration of that vehicle. Uh, so, I, I come uh, and I'm, you know, you would think I would be appreciative of what this amazing, powerful first <laughs> Hemi uh, JL uh, Wrangler. Um, you know, that was a, it was it was big. We had I can't tell you how much time and money we had, and. I came back with disappointment of the way this thing rode and drove and handled. And I said to my guys, I, I remember I, uh, Tony Cook and, and Jake Beeling, I come in and I said, you got to fix it. You can't, it's, it's got to be like the JK. Yeah. It's got to be like the JK. I, you guys can't leave today because we were getting ready to ship these vehicles to an event. And, uh, it, and we, can't, we can't have them driving like this. These are the worst driving and steering, you know, vehicles. And yeah, so these guys hunker down. And this is when we realized they do listen to us sometimes and they had changed one bolt (laughs) so the steering box this horrible idea of this aluminum steering box that saved probably a quarter pound yeah what a couple ounces maybe yeah yeah. they changed one bolt uh, on the bolt pattern so i didn't know what we were getting ourselves into i didn't know with the steering shaft what problems we were gonna face but i do know this our jk uh eight lug turnkey program those things drive like performance vehicles. They yep. drive like cattle. They're very, very, very smooth. And I knew that this vehicle, this amazing vehicle that I was driving, did not. Yeah. So these guys hunker down and stay the night. They identify that the bolt pattern is, has been changed. And, and that was the big thing. But there was enough. Um, they have crushed sleeves. Uh, the frames have crushed sleeves for the pa- pass-through on the bolts. And they realized that there was enough slag on um, on these crush sleeves that if they sat there with the carbide bit and literally by hand, I mean, this is where there's no fancy tools. <laughs> there's not, you know, I didn't put it in the frame in a lathe. You know, one of our secret uh, is, is the two-door JK box has a gear reduction in it. So it, it's one of the secrets to that and some porting and a couple other little things, you know, that we learned over the years with playing with Saginaw style yep. steering box. Yep. So, but one of the one of the secret sauces I, I shouldn't give it up, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and throw that one out there is these guys upfit these these two brand new JLs with two door JK boxes for us. I took them from a drive. I'm like, yes. Now we got it. Yes. Well, we still had to dial in the spring rates. <laughs> we still had to dial but in the you spring rates. Yes, I could drive this. Yeah. The other vehicles, I, I my personality, I, I'm too critical on, yeah. our, on our on our team, and and I just, it doesn't matter how amazing it was. I knew that 
I'm a foundation builder. I build yeah. vehicles that drive incredible. And our team is, that's what our yeah. team is. You could hand the keys to anybody and oh there's nothing God. weird. There's no lights that come on no. the dash. No. Your wife can take it to the grocery store. Yeah. That's the beauty of drivers, yeah. you know, and I, I am the guy that I, I, I'm the guy that's putting 15, 18,000 miles a year on an yeah. eight lug vehicle. These are very, very reliable and serviceable performance yes. vehicles. Yes. Performance vehicles do require a little more maintenance. Yeah. It's just uh, if you bought so a Ferrari is. or a Corvette, you're going to have some more maintenance. It's just the way it is. Uh, but these are going to get you to and from wherever you got to go. Absolutely. And you're going to do it in style and you're going to cleanse your, cleanse your soul. And some of them will even um, cleanse your soul. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but no, I mean, it's, just, it's disappeared in the blink of an eye. And, and to walk into this building, I mean, it's, every day is like I, I walk into this building and I go, I just cannot believe we did this I, I, by the way i'm looking at your floor somebody did a burnout right oh here oh my goodness uh, that's what we do now do, do they get accommodation from the chief yeah, yeah, or do yeah, they get a yeah. uh, written up for that that's a hat that's a tip tip to brown uh, <laughs> popping wheelies and doing burnouts is what america's most wanted four by four does i figured so, as much yeah, yeah. All right, so where do we, we went, we saw the uh, drivetrain, and now where are we at? Yeah, so we're bouncing around on you guys a little bit, and I, and I, and this is so much information to take in, and I, and I it's welcome, it's great. welcome anyone that comes to the Mitt and that's visiting the Detroit area. I welcome you to, please, within a 24 to 48 hour notice, uh, I think COVID tainted us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. No, it used to just be, you were just so excited to have anyone visit you, mm-hmm. and now it's like, whoa, why is somebody here without a 24 <laughs> to 48 hour notice? But no, you, we would absolutely open the door to anybody that showed up. We're very, very honored to show you what we've been obsessed with and what we are investing our, our very precious lifetimes into. And that's exactly how we look at this, is a, is a very rewarding situation that we're investing our lifetimes into to create the world's greatest jeeps that is the business model not the world's most powerful jeeps we do build the world's most powerful jeeps but uh the but it breaks my heart to hear someone say oh those guys got the powertrain figured out no we started with the foundation and that started back as early as 2003 when i had every single person in in michigan coming in with these rotted out cj frames and they'd come in and ask us to put a v8 in them and i say why don't we start with the frame (laughs) so uh, I've been foundation, 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 foundation since day one. It's a liability. You have to go to sleep at night not knowing you're not going to kill somebody. And, um, and and then on top of that is 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 making use the, the overall experience. Sometimes you just gotta you just can't put the cart before the horse. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you know, and and, and you're not going to get that with us. Although I'm looking at this, it looks like the cart is. Yeah, we need some. Yeah, we need some horse. <laughs> looks like the cart is in front of the horse where we're standing now. No, so. We've, we've made our way down, um, and, and again, I, in, in hindsight, maybe I should have started us in the powertrain division first just to seamlessly walk us through the turnkey vehicle manufacturing side of, of, of our business. Which so is- just so everybody knows, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven frames, and behind them are the bodies that go with these frames. Uh, the frames are all lined up, the uh, bodies are behind them, and the frames are at different states of... Reassembly. So one has the axles and the engine, one has the bracketry done, some have the sway bars, and it looks like it's just a production line, and they're all, so, they're all kind of on their way to yep. eventually getting re- you know, mated back together, right? Yep. If you wanted to Google um, the uh, Henry Ford Model A or Model <laughs> T production, uh, we're one step behind where he was in 1908. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Maybe one step in front. I don't know. So basically, at this point in, in the process... 
we're kind of right now the way this is set up is is we're looking at um we're literally looking at two different steps uh in the process and um so our our turnkey vehicle program which again since i i learned in 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 2003 2004 that i wanted to build vehicles a specific way Uh, hopefully people don't frown down on me for that i i'm all about the user experience and functionality durability and fast tracking from 2003 to 2004 finally getting making the investment to buy our first five turnkey vehicles in late 2019 right before covid to now it has taken our team i I mean the time and the money i struggle with super optimism i only want to put a figure on on this but it's well into the eight-digit range, and 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 you couldn't, you just, we just couldn't do it without the support of, of our Jeep enthusiasts and um, and and having this amazing team. So, but here we are, fast track. I can officially say we've made it over the hump with my Shelby-like business model that I dreamed up, and and officially purchased the domain names in late 2007, early 2008. It took a long time. I remember trying to think, how can we get there? And, and at the time, even a million dollars, a million dollars is a lot of money to this day, but that I didn't throw in the towel. Yeah. I, I, it's just incredible that I didn't throw in. I must be just really hard headed because I knew that I needed a business model that would create cash flow. And, and I, I, pointed uh, the vessel towards honestly reconditioning and then selling axles. And that was my, I knew that those were a higher dollar item that was very important. And, and I knew that, um, I mean, I can't tell you how many axles we reconditioned and sold. <laughs> I mean, um, and to try to build our cash flow to, to, to get this dream and uh, make sure the people that are on my team believe in my vision and um, and and it's you know it's a very emotional conversation to say the least. So here we are at step number three and four. So we'll um, we're going to start with three, even though I'm dyslexic and ADD, <laughs> and I want to start with number four. But uh, we'll start with number three, and we're standing uh, next to a bunch of beautiful frames that have many of them have been sandblasted and powder coated. Um, these are fully fabricated frames that our team has designed and developed. We work in such tight tolerances that these parts, and that's a story for a whole, that is a whole nother story for another time, but I tortured Alex Beatty. He's been putting up with me since he's 19. He's 33 now, and he is absolutely an incredible human and, an, and a very, very, very talented young man that I have pushed and pushed and pushed to bring... I'm the Olympic coach uh, that doesn't even have a fraction of his talent in one hand that got that extra, you know, millisecond, uh, <laughs> you know, at the Olympics out of him. And, and uh, so this, this uh, suspension uh, shock tower project, he, God, he put so much time into it and he asked me how, what I thought of it. And he, he said, tell me, shoot me straight, Jared, shoot me straight, Jared. And, and we may or may not have started from scratch more than more <laughs> yeah. than once I, and i still apologize for that alex <laughs> so we're standing next to these incredible long travel chassis with um all the suspension bracketry all the gussets any any um tabs or uh sway bar revisions um these these vehicles are this uh, long travel coilover program we call it a lts i'll run torsional sway bars these are all domestic um, domestic forged sway bars um, built uh, by um, an incredible uh, family-owned company called Branick. they've we've literally teamed up with them and 
I mean, I talk about amazing partners. Uh, if you don't know who Brannick uh, Motorsports is, take a peek at them. They're real big in an Ultra 4, but amazing family. So these vehicles are Fox 2.5-inch coilovers, uh, Fox air bumps, torsional sway bars, and long-arm suspension uh, and geometry that is designed for, for on- and off-road performance. You've got a lot of companies out there that think that they need these high-clearance brackets. And you know what? There's some advantage to if if you are an, an entry-level uh, driver, off-road driver, there are some huge benefits that come to some um, brackets that have clearance. There are. But if you know how to drive, there's all about the bump and the feel of the vehicle. Where are you going to use the vehicle the most? Where do we, when you, to afford something like this, what do you have to do to afford it? You have to work. So, right? So most of us spend 80 plus percent of our time in these vehicles driving back and forth to work, on the road. These have to be enjoyable. They have to be safe. And, and, and any of these companies that are putting high clearance suspension brackets, it is the biggest no-no. They're, they're really messing with the anti-squat and all the geometry, uh, uh, you know, your caster curve, your pinion curve. Uh, um, the separation between the control arms, it is imperative for functionality and and user um, enjoyability to keep a very, very similar stock OEM uh, geometry. Those, they know what they're doing. They've been building suspensions for hundreds of years. They might use uh, price point items that aren't adjustable. They may use... uh, parts that are a little bit too short but uh so we we put these long you know we go to the long arm which is allows for more travel um and it allows things to stay in the pocket it helps a lot with premature wear on on how how these suspensions breathe and move but um it's in, it's important to not be building two hundred thousand uh, dollar rocket ships that don't have proper suspension geometry and it, it just breaks my heart whenever i hear a customer or somebody who believes in us and wants to do a, a I mean, I, I can think of three vehicles we've built this year where these customers came to us and they said, we believe in you. We want your interior. We want your sound deadening. We want your flooring. We want your branding. We want everything you guys do at America's Most Wanted 4x4, but we don't want uh, your suspension because we don't think you're a suspension company. And uh, and, and it breaks my heart because I bought uh, my first TJ, and I hope this uh, strikes a chord with Sean. <laughs> I bought my first TJ, the first four-wheel drive, live axles, coil suspension, four-cylinder in March <laughs> of 1996. Wow. Take that to the books. Yeah. March of 1996. Let me tell you, it was a fight to get it registered properly because <laughs> everyone wanted to uh, call it a 96. Right. And we, we all know it was the a 97. 97. Yeah. Th- to this day, I don't know of a production vehicle that came out that early. Mm. I saved up and I bought, worked at a gas station and bought my first set of 32-inch BFG all-terrains. And I bought a, tr- I don't, I hope these guys aren't still in business because I'm, <laughs> I don't, Tried to avoid being derogatory towards our business, but I purchased a Trailmaster, two inch. We, we used to call them Trail Disaster oh, back yeah, in the day. Yes. So, <laughs> and this is what really my hunger and pursuit really surfaced with this company because I'm this young man. I grew up fairly, pretty, uh, you know, I wouldn't say 
poor, but we were not uh, in good shape. Uh, and, and, but we, we were not starving to death, and we had a very loving family. But, um, but I, I, I got my grandfather, uh, Ido O'Mine, who 96 years old, still builds his antique cars to this day. Every day works on antique cars, builds them. Awesome. Uh, and uh, amazing story. He talked me into going down because I was obsessed with the four-wheel drive magazines. And uh, I had every one of them. I knew all the options. I mean, I was obsessed with these TJ. I, I, I never thought it was an, a, a, obtainable, but my grandfather went down and co-signed for, on my lease for me. It was, I want to say it was $218 a month or something. It was a lot back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I knew I better not ever miss that <laughs> yeah, payment. no kidding. Because my grand, you know, I would never disappoint <laughs> yeah. that man. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have to be dead. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, and, and I save up for this big upgrade, the big, big upgrade. Up until that point, my big upgrade was my, uh, on my CJ7, I bought a fiberglass liftgate from Collins Brothers Jeeps when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. So that was my big aftermarket upgrade. So the TJ really opened my eyes. I, I bought a winch too, but, um, but up until that point, I was young and I just was trying to keep my CJ on the road. Uh, and uh, uh, this suspension destroyed destroyed mm-hmm. I, and to the point that i thought i was going to get a restraining order from trailmaster from how upset i was i was just a kid yeah. but i knew they destroyed this vehicle because there was nothing adjustable yeah. and this is what sent me down this path of uh, talking to these engineers and and product guys at trailmaster uh, uh and they they tell me quote unquote i can visually and mentally replay this over and over in my head what do you expect? <laughs> you own a lifted Jeep, literally. And I'm like, I expect a whole heck of a lot more than this. Yeah. This is the most expensive thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, and, and thankfully yeah. my grandfather helped me co- co-sign on that. So that's where my the pursuit of this chassis and suspension yeah. and steering and again, came from. I drove one today. I drove the 1,000-horsepower version. <laughs> yeah. It's legit. Yeah. And well, that's coming from somebody that. who's driven a lot of stuff. I appreciate so. that. I, but it is heart-wrenching to hear yeah. somebody tell tell us that we don't know. Yeah. We do know chassis. Yeah. We do know. That is my roots. It's where <laughs> yeah. I come from. So just because we build rocket ships now, <laughs> I assure you that we have not cut corners anywhere and in fact, we've it's the reduced to ridiculous business yeah. model. We've over four hundred percent over engineered everything we could physically, humanly, possibly engineer, and everything is so tuned and dialed in. So, um, so yes, yeah, so this is the chassis uh, area, uh, and again, some of these vehicles are still in in OEM uh, factory paint, yeah. and then these vehicles that are the coilovers have been sandblasted powder coated there's a lot of these in vehicle in collections uh there's a lot we honest we we actually have some we're blessed to have some customers that own as many as three of our vehicles in their collection in fact we're we're building three for a a gentleman right now three at one time for one guy to to have in his collection so it's an emotional journey that a a young man's uh, wanted to achieve mainly mainly probably for selfish reasons in terms of drivability I, you know yeah. I, I get so picky once i've driven something that i know drive can drive amazing and then you get into something that drives horrible i literally would rather walk <laughs> and so um this this has been a an amazing journey and um and and we absolutely know the foundation so uh, we're going to move on to um four uh, yeah, we can go to step four. Yeah, we didn't talk much about our, AM, our eight lug axle program, but 
that's okay. We, we're going to have to have you back. This is just a oh, lot we'd, to... We'd love to come yeah. back. <laughs> we're going to have yeah. you back. This is a lot to take in, and, and I hope we... I hope I haven't bored. No, this is <laughs> you, this is awesome. Yeah, so this is awesome. So, um, so we're over to the the body uh, side of it. So this is again step step four. And one thing that I'm really uh, it took me a long time to make old habits die hard. And you know, and I, I remember I used to tell the guys, "Do you guys want to build a jeep, or do you guys want to build a jeep uh, jeeps with a capital S?" Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would always just say that to my guys because they take such pride and ownership in building these vehicles. But I needed these, um, the, what I call the founding fathers. Literally, we have a founding fathers meeting every week. Uh, these are the guys that built this company with me. These are guys that put up with my terrible, uh, <laughs> a terrible nitpicky, you know, things when I should say good work that's amazing the good work amazing but i think we could you know yeah. and how many times you want to hear that over a course of poor alex 19 to 33 years old the poor guy <laughs> so we're at the body step four and the bodies are sitting here and they're they're low enough to the ground where this is where the interiors uh, have been removed the uh, dash panels have been removed uh, we do new ga- uh, gauge faces we do different uh shifters we do our um, all our branding um, and and w- the things that people don't really know, the things that go that where people just close mindedly say, "How can you spend that kind of money?" Well, I appreciate you worried about how <laughs> someone else spends their hard earned money. It, it, thank you for your therapy lesson. <laughs> uh, but these are the things that people do not know, and it's the little things like pulling the carpet out, the the two the spending weeks at the two million dollar sound lab trying to quiet the cabins down from and then the thermal barriers and the flooring and the um and the very high-end leather you know we don't use oem leather in fact a company that builds our uh leather interiors they are an oem tier one manufacturing company and i we got our first uh prototype interiors in and I put them in, and, and they're incredible. Nobody in the world, everybody said they're amazing. And, of course, m- me. I don't know if I like the quality of the <laughs> material. And, <laughs> and I remember talking to my point of contact. I've, thankfully, I think he, we're still friends. I've been friends with him since 2009. I, don't, I, I think he, we're too invested now. He won't discard me. But um, So he ends up ordering in this premium i mean this is leather you just don't see this leather in a jeep but um and and this perf and um and so that was one more step in the process but um this is where the vehicles are literally stripped down to the bare floors uh the dashboard we we paint match the dashboards uh kind i always i'm a cj guy you know what did cj said they had paint match dashboards so i i uh in 2018 for SEMO when i paint matched the dash i you know i i threw it as a as a Willie's trip, that was what it said on our build sheet. It said Willie's tribute dash, you know, which meant paint mash dash. And I was shocked to see there was one other Jeep company that did it that year, uh, which led me to believe that there was some good roots over there still. It might be a guy <laughs> that him and I cut our teeth in this industry and <laughs> he got away from me early on, but him and I should still be building vehicles together, but he is at, at a, um, so uh, him and I have very, 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 very similar uh, Jeep taste, but mm-hmm. uh, um, it, it's uh, the branding, the badging, the everyone is has its own build plate. It has the customer's name, the number is built, the, the date it was built. It has um, the specs. If it's a sixty eighty series, it's um, the build plate. So this is where all the a lot of the little detail stuff is coming together here. 
where we're packaging things where you can't see them. And because to me, it, uh, you, when you build a creation or a, a piece of artwork, I would like, I hope somebody would reference our, our, our product as, as, as the craftsmanship as artworthy. I don't want you to see anything. Uh, you know, where we're hiding uh, air compressors and putting, you know, heat shields and, um, you know, modifying, making clearances for things. And um, so this is where this is uh, uh, quite a bit of labor is going into this. And um, step four, interior going back in. Uh, this is actually the first 2024. It's got the new uh, dash. Unfortunately, uh, this one will leave without our AMW grab handle. I don't know who designed the, the minivan grab handle. Yep. Uh, I'm devastated by yeah, it, and I'm devastated by the minivan power seat plastic on the sides. Uh-huh. Um, I'm disappointed, but uh, you know what? They just give me. It out. Yeah, I, I guarantee I will because we like traditional Jeep stuff, even though it's uh, on steroids. So, um, but uh, yeah, so this is, everything's coming back together. They're putting the cooling stack in. Step three and step four are getting ready to come back together into a, hopefully a, a marriage for a lifetime. And um, so, so that would be step five. Step five, unless we go to seven. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's how my wild brain works, but no. Step five, I, we, we managed step five with literally with kid gloves. In fact, the, the only guys doing step five are three of the founding fathers. This is our chance to, to find something that may or may not have slipped through um, the quality control. So I have guys that literally helped me design and develop this stuff over, uh, you know, over literally like Alex, he's uh, for, for decade plus. And this is where the body and the chassis come back together. It's where all the fluid supply lines and things start getting tied together. And, uh, and, and everything comes together here. This is where the vehicle runs for the first time. This is where, you know, the power steps are hooked up and, and, and the meat and potatoes of this is done. And one of the, uh, the other things, I don't know, uh, for those of you who have ordered new vehicles, you know that when you add that bed liner or you add those half doors or you add that extra top, you know that there's another step in the process. They don't disrupt the assembly process. Toledo doesn't shut down yeah. to give you half doors. No, they don't shut down to give you your black grill. Nope. So it goes off site to a upfit yeah. center, and then yeah. it takes a special stop somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was a hard. That was hard for us because in your mind you say, "Why would I do something yeah. twice? Why? That doesn't make sense. Why would we do Efficiency. something twice? Efficiency, one hundred percent. And at the end of the day, we're trying to build Jeeps. Jeeps with a capital S." And um, and we've now identified that every time we do these little one-off little items, which we love doing for for our customer, we would we'll do anything for for you guys as long as it's not dangerous. Uh, it, well, calculated danger, <laughs> Te- calculated danger <laughs> right. therapy. Uh, but um, uh, we have become very very um, strict on where things happen in the yeah. process because these guys, the seven guys that manage um, the seven uh, seven steps. They know that they have a. We're shooting to build ten of these a month, and they know that if we're putting strange doodads uh, and and all these cool things that we have that um, um, that we all love, you know, we're a bunch of kids at heart. Uh, it, it will shut. It will literally just changing the color of badging could shut down the line for literally weeks, <laughs> weeks. Yeah, you know, if it came back from the paint shop or something, and the, the paint was flaking or something, so. So um, that's something that it's been really hard to explain uh, and, and understand. But we know that uh, if we want to build custom Jeeps in production, that we do. We had to 
push this accessory uh, down. And that's how it ended up being uh, a seven-step process. So is that six then? Is that where the upfit stuff yeah. goes? Yeah. So, so if I wanted to do the build, but I wanted a light bar, mm-hmm. or I wanted to do half doors, or I wanted to do whatever the case yeah. is, those yeah. extra things, like uh, 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 auxiliary light switch, uh, you know, onboard air compressor, those are all step six. Step things. six. So they go through the alignment rack. I'm skipping six, but yep. no six that is doodads, yep. you know. Yep. Uh, miscellaneous doodads. Uh, at some point we'll go, I'm hoping at some point we can video this as it, together and yep. break it up in some smaller pieces yeah, so awesome. we're not overwhelming everybody. But I'm very proud of this, very proud of my team, so I apologize uh, for being long-winded today. Now it's time to drive the Jeeps. Okay, so um, the vehicle comes off of the uh, alignment rack and it goes into the care and custody of a high-level founding father. And they go out and our goal is to put 250 miles on them. And that's where we really just, I mean, with the fine tooth comb down to, I mean, I can, I mean, this is sickening, but I can tell, I mean, within a, a 16th of an inch on the steering, I can, I'm, we've got it, I mean, I'm just, the seat time yeah. I, you know to be able to get into something like this and come be, come back and tell them they got the toe uh, needs to come out a 16th of an inch on a vehicle that has a completely straight steering wheel that you can let go of the wheel at 90 miles mm-hmm. an hour and does not move out of the lane but no i did w- that today by the way maybe no. not 90 but yeah, we did yeah. that and it was yeah. dead nuts yeah. Yeah. no yeah. wander dead nuts straight yeah and i'm proud to tell you that that vehicle you drove today was built in 2020 it's in well, like it's, a fine wine here it did not uh, yeah. feel like a vehicle yeah no no it's amazing it is it is, is it is it fair to say that step seven is the three d's that would be uh drive detail and deliver uh pretty much yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah so it, yep and that's where um where, where, you know that goes through the, and then it goes through one last final checkout and and again it's you know everybody's it's it, you, you, it's something you got to mentally prepare for, and 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 it really comes with time because after you see silly things occur, uh, you're like, you know what? We're humans. We're we're humans. You know, and and, and this uh, doing this final checkout, even though it's literally been checked and checked and rechecked and checked and checked and checked, it, it, it is is so important, and it, it's so important that when it gets to the the end user, that they're able to immediately start enjoying it and. You know, um, early on when things would surface, you know, the, we got the, literally the best customers in the world. And, and we don't hide from things, you know. You, you just take your lumps and make somebody happy and let them know at the very end of the day, you're their wingman for life as, as long as they'll have you. And, uh, and you know that one bad uh, uh, seed or one bad apple will spoil the bunch. And I'm, I, one of the things, I'm, uh, uh, many things I'm proud of is Google us. And people say, Jared, how do you how do you keep your feedback like that? How are you guys so per- we're not perfect? I think we're the best. I really truly mm-hmm. believe we're the best in the world. We're we're playing with a performance oriented mechanical vehicles, high 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 performance vehicles, and 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 it doesn't matter. There's it, it's a performance. It's pushing. It's reduced to ridiculous. It's the performance in in every aspect. We've packaged every single thing we can do on these. And, and at the end of the day, is are we batting 100%? No. Are we batting 90, 98%? I think so. And our reviews online 
will stand behind that. And I'm very proud of that. It would crush my soul to have somebody badmouthing us online. My guys work way too hard for that. I, I, I have to protect my guy. My guys are putting their lifetime into this, into this dream that I conjured up <laughs> many, 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 many yeah, moons ago. You're taking a lot of people along yeah, for the ride. Yeah. My job is to protect all these relationships and, and keep the team strong. If somebody listening is saying, this is a, I want a turnkey, this is a build, where do we go? Honestly, the best uh, way to, to start the process, we have a, um, a bucket on our website, but this is a very, it's a huge commitment. It's a huge investment. This is an exuberant amount of money, and we know that. We know that. We wished we could build them more affordably. We would. We absolutely would. This is a very hands-on situation. Um, let us let let us team you up with. I would most likely be involved in a lot of the interaction, but um, I've got a, a sales team that uh, very 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 passionate guys that I've tortured. But uh, yeah, so you can reach out to us at 810-266-6262. You can uh, contact us through sales. But it's ultimately the best to start this process in person. A lot of our customers um, will fly in, meet us, tour the facility, drive vehicles. It's a big commitment. Yeah. But I can tell you this. If you are a qualified buyer and this is your thing, performance-oriented uh, vehicles are your thing. Your Jeep Jeep is your thing. This is what you had in high school. This is what you grew up with your dad driving you around on the weekends or grandpa had on his apple farm. Uh, if, if that is your thing... And you don't want to be driving into work in a Lamborghini because you guys think that you're some rich snob. These vehicles fit in with yeah. everybody. It doesn't matter that you. These are. It's incredible to see this uh, um, at these at the shows. The such a uh, open arm situation. So get with us. Let us give us a chance to walk through the details. And, and give us a chance to tell you how we've re-engineered this vehicle from the foundation up. And let us point out everything that has consumed the 300-plus hours to build one. So what's the uh, lead time if somebody was interested in yeah. purchasing so a vehicle? Our uh, turnkey uh, lead times right now, um, unless you're doing some strange color, yeah. like we've had people, we've had, we, we ordered five, uh, a pumpkin. Uh, you know, the bright colors do real well for yeah. us. Right now, our, our turnaround time on, on our turnkey program, if you allow us to build and stick to our Shelby-like business model, our collector business model, our uh, red, build registry business model, which we believe and quite honestly know is the best, your 7 to 12-week turnaround time. Well, thanks for taking your time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy because this is... Uh this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool to get the walkthrough and see how these vehicles come to life. And I don't think people will appreciate how much effort, you know, it's like, oh, they're doing engine swaps. No, they're not. They're, they're re-engineering these vehicles and reassembling these vehicles. So it's, it's special. So uh, you guys can head over to the website, uh, get, uh, get some information how to call these guys up. If there's somebody out there, it, honestly, if there's any of our listeners who have been thinking about one of these, I will personally introduce you. Hit me up on the podcast and i'll put you in touch with the guys so anyway thank you so much yep, no I, we appreciate the opportunity and i one thing i stand by is 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 we aim to please and we will deliver i guarantee it so so what you're saying is you actually got to drive this uh so the 840 horsepower demon that's the one we talked about the uh the wrangler jl with the 42s uh they tossed me the keys and said we, we want, you cannot leave here without taking this on like a legitimate test drive. So the first day I got there, it was raining. I got a ride in a thousand horsepower, elephant powered Jeep. And uh, that was amazing in the rain. I was literally like blown away, even with it being wet. 
when I got to drive the uh, the Demon Power, the 840 horsepower version, it was super sunny, beautiful afternoon, just unbelievably perfect Michigan day. We, we don't have to play the whole thing, but there there's some conversation going on. Keep in mind, it's just my phone on the dash. You can hear the exhaust. You can hear the supercharger whine. You can hear us talking, and you can hear a little bit about how excited I was and just my thoughts as we were driving because there's sort of a stream of consciousness there. But I figured, you know what? That's what I was feeling in the moment. Why not share it? I spent a year in a TRX, and that does not. Uh, this is do the same thing. Oh my god! <laughs> I look at that poor guy. Look at my little stock gladiator. It's so cute. It's bad, dude. You start saying that around people when these, you know, you're like, you're like, oh man, it's a stock Jeep. That's tough. He's waving at you. He wants your wave. crazy like i mean it's just it's so fat everywhere yeah it actually doesn't feel like i felt like it might just been the tune yeah but it felt like the elephant felt a little more high strong yeah this i sure. feel like you just drive it every day would be fine yeah yeah no that these engines are very very like we've got the drivability tunes down on this yeah. you know but even that mid that mid throttle before you even before the kick down where it's just Outstanding job. Thank you very much, sir, for bringing that alive uh, for us listeners. I just wish you could have been there. No, you don't. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Oh, lightning, did you hear? How about no? No. The UAW striking, and now everybody who ordered the last year of their 392 is going, uh-oh, maybe <laughs> I won't get one. And then on top of that, they targeted three plants from three companies, which they've never done before. So basically, uh, Ford's Michigan assembly plant, which I believe makes the uh, the Bronco, and uh, the Ranger, the Stellantis Toledo assembly, which makes the... Uh, Gladiator and the uh, Wrangler, mm-hmm. and then the Wentzville assembly plant, which is GM's plant that makes the Colorado and Canyon. Uh, I also believe they make the Savannah and Chevy Express uh, vans as well. So, uh, as we know, the uh, mid-sized 4x4 market is absolutely swinging, and the UAW apparently is not, uh, well, they're not taking that lightly. Ooh. I'm not going to get into uh, the, the politics of being pro-union or anti-union or whatever. We're just bringing you the news, but what I'll tell you is that... Boy, if you just ordered a truck... You're bummed. You're bummed. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, they just as they're getting caught up with supply chain and old orders, boom, this hits. 
So that sucks. So I'm sorry for everybody who thought they were going to get their freshly ordered vehicle. I'm on a lot of uh, Facebook groups, and there's people showing their orders where it was in production and now stalled out. It's like within days of being out off the other end of the assembly line and not no more. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! Nope. So apparently uh, the 2025 Ford Ranger will have a PF model, which is the plug-in uh, hybrid electric vehicle. And it's going to debut with up to 28 miles of electric range. But it'll only be available in Europe for now. So uh, any of you mid-sized truck lovers who have been kind of waiting to see if the PF is coming to that category, uh, you might have to wait a little bit longer. Although uh, Jeep released the information on the 2024 Gladiator, and no surprise, it's basically mirrors what uh, is going on with the Wrangler, except it only has one powertrain, and that's the V6, V6 right? Yeah. Yep. Although you can still get a, uh, a manual with it. However, rumor has it that the 4xe will be coming to Gladiator possibly in 25 also. That'll be popular. Uh, so we'll see. Do uh, we have two of those sit at work? Do uh, four by Yep, four by I got the one in my driveway. We uh, we love the heck out of that thing. It's it's really good as a family car. It's funny because there's two of them and they're both black with the uh, the blue accents. Are they all yep. like that? Do they all have the blue accents where they uh, all, say like yeah. four by E and so four the by tow hooks are blue. So Rubicons are red, Mojaves are orange, uh, four by E's are uh, blue. Gotcha. And base models are black. Oh, are they really? Mm-hmm. Okay, didn't know that. You don't get a fancy color. These are both, well, they're both up on wheels, tires, and the whole thing, so I can't tell what was customized and what well, and wasn't. Well, G- Jeep just released the ability to change the axle ratio in the computer for a wheel, uh, tire, and gear swap. On oh, really? Years, so you don't have cool. to have a taser for that anymore? Well, you could, either way, you don't need a taser. You could have done it at the dealer with or without on the regular Wrangler, but there's a limitation inside the computer where even taser couldn't change it. Oh. And so Jeep uh, opening that up. So now everybody's jumping on these 4 by es because they can, I think you can go up to like a 456 gear now. And before it maxed out at like a 410 or something like that. And so it really limited the, you know, the efficiency because it was outside the power band of, of the uh, little two liter uh, turbo and the electric motor. So I'm seeing a lot more of those things on the trail. I've actually wheeled them quite a bit. And then on the uh, Grand Cherokee 4xE Trailhawks, uh, I helped to uh, calibrate the pedal tip in to make it feel more like the regular vehicle off-road and actually like those things quite a bit. Do they put a Holman logo on the accelerator pedal? Nope. No fat bearded guy. Damn. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Nope. You didn't see the story where uh, Ford patented a uh, dual axle suspension setup for pickup trucks? A a what? So basically it would turn any of their 4x4 trucks into a uh, six-wheeler. That's interesting. I wonder why they would do that. For more payload, of course. So basically, the uh, patent filing hints at how an owner could turn their uh, F-150 or uh, F-250, I guess, into a uh, 6x6 by adding a rear axle behind the rear axle. Huh. That's that's kind of neat. I'd like to see that patent. Well, the highlight of the patent, according to Motor One, uh, which was filed back in uh, April, was the ability to add the third axle. But it shows that the additional axle could be equipped with an electric motor and a small rechargeable battery, which would turn it into a drive axle, oh, essentially wow. turning a 4x4 truck into a 6x6 with plug-in hybrid support. So it's pretty cool. Uh, what if they tapped into your friends over at Dana, who makes all of those uh, electrified axles? Well, it's not a product yet. It's just the uh, a patent drawing. So it's just an idea on paper. But That's what you think. It would be. I, I'm sure there's something that they're working on. But if you... Uh, Go to uh, Ford Patton's uh, bolt-on axle system. Uh, you'll see all sorts of uh, the drawings and whatnot. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, obviously your bedside would need to be you know changed to uh, make room for another wheel and tire and all that kind of good stuff. But it's, uh, it, it's out-of-the-box thinking, at least for an OE. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? 
Nope. The 2024 Nissan Hardbody Appearance Package has been priced out. Ooh. Along with the rest of the uh, Frontier uh, lineup. So manufacturer suggested retail price for the 2024 Nissan Frontier King Cab. So an S 4x2 starts at $29,770. So it gets just in under that $30,000 mark. Uh, the manufacturer's suggested retail price for a SV King Cab. Right, SV King Cab. 4x4. 4x4. 36,870. 36,870. Just down, all right. And then basically uh, the Frontier Hardbody package, which includes the cool uh, monoblock, three-spoke wheels, uh, all the blacked-out trim, grill, mirror caps, all that stuff, plus the uh, the sport bar in the bed, adds 3890 for a total of 40760 uh, before destination to uh, get yourself into a hard body 4x4. That compares with the Pro 4X, which starts at a crew cab 4x4, comes in at 39300 for uh, the base Pro 4X. So it's a, a little bit above that. And then they have a the luxury version, the SL crew cab 4x4, is now uh, fully loaded with leather and a whole bunch of goodies. It's basically Pro 4X, if you don't need the off-road ability, uh, 42640 So still a pretty uh, pretty good value. Um, although it's funny, they're all bunched right up there, you know, it's almost 36, like six, 42, 39, yeah. 42 for a couple thousand more. I can get you into this baby over here. Um, I'm actually really curious uh, to get in the SL because when the frontier first launched, I thought that was the one thing missing because you could get a Denali Canyon, for example, but you couldn't get a higher grade than pro four X in the frontier lineup. So I really thought there was a place for a midsize truck with all the luxury uh, accommodations and accoutrement. Uh, and so Nissan agrees, and uh, hopefully we'll get one uh, to uh, to drive here in a little bit. But low 40s for a fully loaded midsize pickup truck is pretty good when you look at the rest of the market. The accoutrement that you will need. Accoutrement! A lot of accoutrement on that truck. A lot of accoutrement. Dude, they're, they're all so bunched up together. Like, that is a really difficult decision. I mean, you got your Pro 4X and your hard body within just a couple hundred bucks of each other. Uh, I guess uh, you just got to go and know which truck you want and go pick it out. <sighs> That's not an easy one. I, I really I want... Mean, I thought it would be like super easy to decide. Like, yeah. It's clearly the hard body, but man, you get <sighs> so for me, a little more. I don't know. For me, hard- I like the looks of the hard body, but I want the rear locker and the full skid plates of the Pro 4X and mm-hmm. the Bilsteins. So do I get a hard body and then I just make my own Pro 4X out of it? Because you get an ARB rear locker for it. Yeah, but the, now you're more expensive than the Pro 4X. I think you're already more expensive. But you than get the Pro a 4X. custom. You get a custom Pro 4X. You get a hard body. But Pro you 4X but you don't get point. the nicer radio. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then oh man. And then or do I just go all the way to an SL and then just live in the lap of luxury and then lift it that way and that would be cool too. But it's not a hard body at that point. I know. That wasn't it. Maybe I don't need a hard body I'm now. So I don't conflicted. Know. There's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> Nissan goodness in a very very small uh, pricing uh, footprint there. So well, I don't know. Just like we say at the beginning and the end of every show, head over to uh, NissanUSA.com and uh, figure it out for yourself. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, no, I have not heard. Uh, speaking of pricing, Ford also made the announcement on the uh, F150. The XL work truck is now two thousand seven hundred thirty-five dollars more than before. Uh, TFL Truck points that out uh, on their website, and uh, they were playing with the configurator. So uh, if you want to read into uh, the F-150 pricing and options, and of course, as we said last uh, episode, Ford has done a really, really bang-up job of trying to reduce the complexity and the number of options by packaging them together and not making so many a la carte. And uh, so you can play with the build and price uh, tool and, and figure out 
what the equivalent of your F-150 today might look like, or uh, if you're in the market for one, it might just be a lot more easy for you to order with your dealer than it was before. So, so Holman, has there ever been a time when there's uh, been a greater disparity between the entry-level F-150 and then the top dog? Uh, I think the Raptor R kind of seals the fate on that. But if you're looking crew cab to crew cab, I know this isn't apples to apples, but for example, um, the starting price of a F-150 XL crew is $43,515. So it's more expensive than a fully loaded Nissan Frontier crew cab. Mm. And that goes all the way up to the Raptor. So the Raptor starts at $77,980, but it's way over in the low what 120s or something like that for uh, Raptor R. And the Platinum starts at $73,425. But we all know it's really easy to get that up into the high 80s, like without blinking much. So um, it's still just weird to spend over 70 grand. No, I'm talking about the Raptors. But it's like 70 grand. <laughs> I'm like easy, for the easy, easy there, considering what's both in our uh, no, 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 driveways. No, 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 no. I'm just saying for like a, a Ford F-150, which is still the traditional work truck. It's just weird that it's that that it's truck not the is, traditional work truck. It's yeah. literally the family hauler of America. What well, is now today? It has been for decades. Whatever. <laughs> what I'm Ever saying, since the Super Crew came out in 2001, it basically became the the minivan for people who need a capability. If you think about it, we've talked about it before, the driving experience, the American driving experience is V8, rear-wheel drive, four doors. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a wagon, and now it's a pickup truck. I just think it's odd to have America's pickup tr- uh, uh, America's new wagon at 80 grand. I I don't know. I look at everything in the industry and the prices are crazy. No matter what vehicle you buy. I was looking at... It's one thing to have like a Ford F250, 350 with a diesel, fully loaded, like above 100 grand. But when a Ford F150, again, not talking about the Raptor, spent an 80, 90 grand on a Platinum is just, I don't know. It's like having a $75,000 Volkswagen Beetle. It's just not what you'd expect. It seems like it's too blingy for the platform. Yeah, but people buy them. They so do. They, I know they do. There, there's a customer out there. Like I said, there's a uh, customer and a butt for every seat. So, uh, hey, Lighting, did you hear? Ah! No. In uh, more F-150 news, apparently uh, Ford is planning on doubling the Power Boost hybrid production for uh, 2024. So uh, okay. F-150 hybrid sales were up almost 30% through uh, 2023 model year. And Ford is hoping that uh, that'll translate to more buyers next year. So they're going to increase production because apparently demand is there for it. But I thought that there was lessening demand for EVs. It's not an EV, it's plug-in hybrid. Completely different driving experience. Okay. You know, I saw a new Lexus commercial the other day, and they're trying to talk about the plug-in hybrid SUV, whatever their newest one is. And it was two guys, and, and they're like, you know, it's electric when you need it and it's gas when you want it. And while trying to, you know, explain that to the consumer, I went, that's really smart. It's the best of both worlds for people. And I've been saying this on the show and forever, hybrids are the way to go. That is, that is going to be the future because- But they're being glossed over because- They're being skipped in a way because right. they're everybody's so hardcore trying to drive this EV thing. But I much rather have a, a you know, instead of a $100,000 EV- that has a big, massive, giant battery pack. I'd rather have twenty plug-in hybrids that have a small battery pack and spread that efficiency out, th- you know, throughout the fleet, not just to the people that can afford it. Uh, and the hybrids, yeah, do- but you're one man, dude. And the hybrids do something that's really cool, and that's the onboard generator. And so I think, you know, from a work truck standpoint, 
especially the way Ford has integrated it into the F-150, I think a hybrid makes a ton of sense. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, more customers agree. But like I said, through 2023 model year, uh, almost 30%, almost a third of the Ford F-150's uh, sales were the PowerBoost hybrid. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No, 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 no. Nope. So going back to uh, the Jeep Gladiator, which was uh, announced again, as, as we said earlier in the show. Uh, with 3.6 liter gas. Oh, but, did we already cover that? We already covered oh, that. Okay. Uh, but like the Wrangler, uh, they are going to get AEV packages as options from the factory, which is uh, super awesome. And not just one that you can buy at a dealer that's an AEV dealer, but actually get the AEV add-ons as part of the normal Monroney from Jeep. So there's going to be a couple of different packages of the Gladiator, the AEV Upcountry and the Upcountry Plus at a 2-inch suspension lift and 35-inch BFG all-terrain TA KO2 tires. It's available for the Sport, Willys, Mojave, and Rubicon. And then, of course, the Level 2 pack, exclusive to Rubicon, is basically what I have, and that's their JL370 or JT370. So that's basically the 2.5-inch lift with Bill Stein uh, shocks, 37-inch tires, and the uh, AEV bumper up front. So so you can head over to uh, Jeep.com and uh, check out the Level 2 pack if you want to see all the options that that includes. Uh, with uh, more AV stuff coming from the factory. And that brings me up. I have two drives coming up, one with uh, GM in the uh, ZR2 trucks. Okay. And then one with GMC with the full AV lineup. So looking forward wow. to bringing some, uh, some truck reviews uh, to the show here hey, in the next few months. I, I have a question, and you may not know this. Okay. So if I buy AEV parts onesie twosie, do I pay more or less for them than if I had gone to AEV or bought the truck? I like, would like guess it, it, you would pay more because you'd have to do the labor on all of those parts rather than having everything done at once. But uh, I don't know 100% for sure. Okay, okay. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No, 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 no. Remember we were talking about the... Uh, Ford Maverick that had that two-liter EcoBoost all tuned up on it. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently Ivan Gonzalez, who uh, owns that particular truck, uh, has just shoved a 2.3-liter EcoBoost out of a Lincoln in it and said it was basically a plug-and-play build. Really? And so uh, the drive has a whole story on it. I tried to get him on the show. I reached out through their website and never heard back from them. But uh, Gonzalez described the installation as plug-and-play and said the engine's wiring harness even carried over almost perfectly because 99% of the plugs were identical. He also says the only real difference was the location of the coolant temp sensor, but that was easy to accommodate. He said uh, cranking for the first time lit up the Ford's dash, um, but resetting the truck's canvas cleared everything, and now it runs fine. He basically loaded it up with a lot of the parts that he made for the 2-liter. Mm-hmm. It's got a Ram air intake that feeds a 57-millimeter turbo from a Ranger. It's packaged slightly different than uh, the Corsairs, which is the uh, the Lincoln model that this engine came out of. And it says the intake charge flows through a 2.5-inch piping, custom front-mounted intercooler, and a long block that's still totally stock, although it does have a uh, tune from liver noise. And then, of course, it gets all spit out through a 3-inch uh, downpipe and cat-back exhaust. So right now, Gonzalez says his best quarter mile with a new setup in a Maverick is 12.4 at 112. <laughs> One uh, that's freaking awesome. He says it'll pull almost car length on a Ford Mustang GT, mm-hmm. uh, handily hand it to a, a Dodge Charger Scat Pack. And uh, he says right now he's uh, working on brakes that are up to it. And he wants to uh, apparently make some brackets to fit the Brembos from the Focus RS to the uh, to the Maverick. That's pretty cool. So his goal is to break into the 11s in his Maverick by the end of the year. That's pretty cool. Oh, wait. Hold on. Someone's at the door. EPA, we're coming in. 
No, this is uh, just a project truck <laughs> lighting. Project. Do you stop diamond people off? <laughs> hey, lighting, did you hear? No. No. Uh, Factory 5 Racing, uh, who are known for their Shelbys and Cobra kit cars and things like that, mm-hmm. um, went out of their gourd and apparently built a complete tube chassis so they, called the X-T1 Pre-Runner. So you can build yourself a Raptor on uh, steroids, according to their website. The fact- I got a winner! Yes! The Factory 5 XT1 pre-runner truck uh, is a kit. You can take your 15 to 20 Ford F-150 and turn it into an off-road beast with a full tubular chassis, long travel wow. suspension, super wide 90-inch complete body package. The new kit is the ultimate upgrade for the F-150, and you can order one now. They're scheduling production dates for uh, basically right now. There's was a shop that did one of the first ones, and uh, and they've got pictures at factory5.com, and it is kind of wild looking. So if you've always wanted to have a uh, completely tubular steel chassis under mm-hmm. your F-150 to uh, go huck it, uh, now's your chance. And I'm going to try and get Factory 5 on because I just need to know more. And the interior and everything is 100%... Just like you, you, I mean, you just tr- transplant your cab. So all the all the mounting points are identical. Identical, yeah. It's kind of like a roaster shop or something like that. And so, if you're sitting in the truck, you don't know anything different. It's it's all the same. But uh, underneath it is a complete crazy tube frame. It's unbelievable. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So they've got a bunch of photos. They talk about their long travel suspension. And they said the front suspension travel with CV joints and four-wheel drive is 16 inches, <laughs> <laughs> which is only uh, four inches more than what you have on your uh, on your T-Rex. Wow. And what's stock? Uh, on a Raptor? Yeah. Probably 12 and a half, something like that wow. from that generation, maybe 12, somewhere somewhere around there. So the X-T1 from uh, Factory 5 ditches the leaf springs completely, and it's got a heavy-duty 516th plate steel axle girdle that bolts right to the uh, Ford solid axle. Uh, the complete rear suspension includes massive uh, lower control arms the size of your leg as part of a uh, four-link, high-performance remote reservoir, dual adjustable Fox shocks, and a full 20 inches of rear suspension travel in a complete bolt-on suspension upgrade. So do we know price, and why would you buy a Raptor when you have this? Uh, so the price is, of course, your donor vehicle. Mm-hmm. So you need a one Ford F-150, 2015 to 2020. Yep. You need wheels and tires. Mm-hmm. And then you need uh, paint unless you uh, want the carbon body panels uh, ordered clear-coated and paint-free. Uh, the pre-rendered kit? You go ahead and guess because I'm curious how far off you'll be. Okay, so this is just the kit, not the truck, right? You bring them the you donor. Bring, you, yeah, you have your truck, and then this is basically just the chassis. 65000 24 Really? That's what I said. I'm like, that's actually not is that a, is that a type bad. Of? So, of course, there's options. So, optional. Wait, uh, you're getting the suspension, the shocks, everything with that. For uh, 30 grand? Says, these are the options. Uh, complete carbon fiber body panel upgrade for $69.90. Optional rear sway bar for $399. Optional spare tire mount in the bed, $199. Optional tow package includes uh, hitch, panhard bar, and axle limiting straps, $699. Race cage, price TBD, and optional off-road race box section for the lower control arms, price TBD. So um, it's designed to run 37s, and uh, this truck is running on a Toyota Open Country MTs, which, of course, we love, in the 37, 12, 50, 20-inch size on their on their photos. So, so wait a minute. You're getting an all-new chassis. Yeah. All-new suspension. Yeah. Still, four-wheel it's drive. 30 grand? That seems low. Too low. So maybe we need to get them on because I'm super freaking curious about this. 
Uh, and it you also, can spend. It am I wrong awesome. when you can spend thirty grand just on axles? I'm. I get. I get that. I'm just saying hmm. that this thing is. Like it's piqued my interest. I am skeptical. I'm excited yet skeptical. All right, we need to uh, we need to get them on the show and and talk about this thing because um, it looks pretty freaking rad. Hey, lighting, did you hear? No. Well, you actually did hear because you sent me this link and you oh. were all excited. And you're like, "Why did you? Oh my god, dude, you got to do this! Oh my god!" I'm fine. Yes. Yes, I've heard. All right, so uh, basically you were excited about H.R. 1435, mm. which is a bill that has been passed in the House of Representatives called the Preserving Choice in Vehicle Purchases Act that would end California's effort to ban gas-powered cars to preserve Americans' ability to choose the vehicles that best suit their lives. And on top of that, it also would affect 17 states that are tied to California's rules and basically say, no, you can't mandate cars or... You know, the, the people introduced this said, listen, this, the infrastructure is not there. The technology is not there. It's going to hurt our economy on and on. All the things that we've talked about on the show. I agree. I'm not anti-EV. I love EVs for the right use cases, but I also love choice. And I think you should be able to choose whichever fits your use case. Well, the, it, so it, it, if this doesn't pass, then we return to the it, whole 49 it's not, state It's California. not going to pass. You got all excited because the House passed it. Biden's White House has basically said he's vetoing it if it were to make it to his desk. So there's no there's no hope. It's dead on arrival. So for all of you who are thinking, oh, we have a chance <sighs> and there's not enough people. Now, I will say on yeah. the on the House bill, uh, something like seven or eight Democrats actually joined with the Republicans uh, to pass it. Uh, so there are people, you know, that are willing to cross party lines because this is the right thing for America, but can uh, they, I'm sorry, it's eight Democrats, eight Democrats. Can they delay it for the next administration, I mean, can, which may not necessarily be Democratic? I think it works that way, mm. uh, but they could <laughs> override it with what, a, a two thirds majority or something. And uh, I don't know that they have that. So uh, we really, nice we really need that. Thinking about that. I think it's going to self-solve on its own. I think it's going to, as we get closer to that mandate, people are going to go, uh-oh, uh-oh. It's not possible. This, this isn't. This isn't not going doable. to work. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 and it's nice to at least see at this point, uh, lawmakers are paying attention rather than just going into it blindly. Like it seems like they go into most problems until it's too late. It's nice to see some some proaction here where people are starting to realize that mandates aren't good for the country. And while technology is great and things need to march on, they should be done at the proper pace and let the market decide what they want. Like I said, my driveway. I've got a Wrangler 392 and a Grand Cherokee 4xE. I mean, it's the 4xE is perfect for my wife and, and the way we use it as a family rig. The 392 is perfect for me. And mm-hmm. we should be able to have both. You know, it was nice, I got to say, driving up to Northern California to go visit my son who's in college. In a Rivian? Nope. Oh. In my wife's- In an F-150 in, uh, Lightning? No. In my wife's Volkswagen Atlas, 25.1 miles per gallon average. It was really pleasant. It was just like, I think that's a, a two-liter turbo four in that thing. It doesn't feel like a turbo though. It feels very naturally aspirated. If it's a turbo, they're non-existent. And I just—I uh, bet you'd feel it if the uh, turbo fell off. I probably would. It would be absolutely gutless. It was. I did a buck ten when I was in Mexico. I just think, south wait, of north. Of, what year is it though? Twenty-two. Oh, it might be the V six. I think it is the V6. So you had a 3.6 liter V6, and then now I think you can only get the turbo on it. I think it is V6. All right. That's pretty damn good for a V6. It does not spool up at all. It just... But I was just... It was it was nice. 
going to that 25 point, whatever, as opposed to the, the 11, nine that I was getting in the TRX. It was, just, it was a nice change. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's why you have different uh, uh, vehicles for different needs. And that's yeah. the whole point is people should be able to have what they what what works for them. I, my, the, the TRX needs fuel. That's what it needs. <laughs> <laughs> well, your TRX needs gas, and uh, I need something to make some gas. So uh, <laughs> I need to go get something to eat. Please don't make gas in here. Wow, that was amazingly fast on the buttons. <laughs> I was ready. I'm uh, ready for this show to be over. Why? Because it was four hours long yeah. again? It was, it was better than the last one. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. Yeah, but here's the deal: is uh, this show is uh, jam packed with performance mm-hmm. and awesome V8 noises and supercharger noises and giggling and just a whole mess of stuff. You did deliver when it comes to uh, the auditory sensations that is uh, our big V8 engine. I'll give you auditory sensation right <laughs> no, now. No, 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 please. Because with the auditory sensation, no, 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 comes no, no, no. That's not that I don't, I don't need. No, no. How dare you? <laughs> All right, if you want to uh, get in touch with the Truck Show Podcast, you can uh, send us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, or holman at truckshowpodcast.com, or lightning at truckshowpodcast.com, or you can reach us on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. We've got a bunch of uh, calls we're going to get into in the next episode. I want to hear about the ridiculous gas prices you are paying or stunningly low prices so you can rub it in our faces or if you have something like a uh, hot shot truck an rv or a big rig what was your last fill up what'd that cost you oh geez. just just leave us a note it's five star <laughs> hotline 657-205-6105 let us know what your last fill up is because uh, here's the deal we're all going to commiserate together and we if you have one that's particularly bad like just, just be the guy that Share takes it. the bullet for the yeah. rest of us, so we all feel better. Okay, so here's what I'm. Here's Can you what, imagine what? Who's got what? What state has the most expensive gas in it? California. And, ca- are you sure about? Oh, 100 percent. Really? The gas station by Goff's is usually four dollars a gallon more than what it is here in the city. <laughs> four dollars. So, so I'm going to look right now because now I'm actually curious because I have to go out there in like two weeks. I bet you it's not California. I bet it's somewhere like Maryland or somewhere that so, we're not expecting. So do you remember? Uh, when I was on that Route 66 trip, um, at yeah, that, and the Grand Wagoneer, right? And the Grand Wagoneer, and we pulled in. There was a, a gas station uh, in Havasu or something like that, and the diesel was nine ninety nine a gallon. And I asked him why. He goes, because I don't sell enough of it, so I don't want to sell it. And I go, why not make it ten something? He goes, because the uh, I can't program higher than nine ninety nine. Oh my god! And so then you're like, well, geez, I, here's the problem. I kind of want to know now. But now it's got you know it's got water mixed into it because it just sits there and uh, condensation, and when it rains, it goes into the tank below the ground, and it just destroys anyone's truck that dares fill up with the most expensive diesel fuel in Havasu. Yeah, it's 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 bad. Uh, oh man, it's it's not even nobody's even recorded the price. I looked on a Gas Buddy, and it just is dot dot dot. It doesn't actually have any pricing to it. So I guess I, I guess it's a mystery. Well, I'll have to report back when I get back. And who knows? That might be me on the five-star hotline telling you guys uh, what the most expensive tank of fuel is. It's got to be more expensive in Hawaii. It is. It, it's nor- Like I said, it's $4. Like if it's $4 here, it's almost 8 or $9 well, there. Well, okay. You just said California has the most expensive fuel, and yet... I j- that's what I'm talking about. Goff's. That gas station. Yes. It's the only one in the middle of the desert off Interstate 40 for... 40 miles in any direction, and it's always like $4 more than what it is in town. I get it, but that means Hawaii might be more than no, that. No, there's no way Hawaii is more than that. Are you sure? Yes. If you live in Hawaii, 
let us know. If you live in some podunk town that has only one gas station where they can rip you off, that I'm interested to learn. All right, lastly, don't forget to uh, interact with us on social. You can find us at, at Truck Show Podcast, at Sean P. Holman, or at LBC Lightning. Or you can follow our friends at NissanUSA.com. Oh, you mean the people that are the uh, purveyors of reliable, rugged, and value-packed pickup trucks like the Frontier and the Titan and the Titan yes. XD? well said, yes. You know you can get a, a Titan or Titan XD with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And uh, coming up soon, you'll be able to add the hard-body package to your Nissan Frontier. So head on over to your local Nissan dealership where you can check out these trucks in person. Go on a test drive today. Or you can type in Nissan USA to your browser and you can build and price the Nissan truck that's perfect for your needs right now. And with those insanely high gas prices, the one thing you're looking to do these days is increase fuel economy. And the way to do that is to increase air density. Why? Because then your turbo doesn't have to work as hard to produce the same amount of boost. And when your turbo's not working that hard, that means you can back out of the throttle and make the same power. And when you back out of the throttle, Holman, what happens? You increase your fuel economy. Say what? That's all provided by the bank's Ram Air Intake, the best intake on the market, bar none. How do we know? Because we tested it on the flow bench, the dyno, and on the road. Find yours at bankspower.com. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. All right, Holman, can you give me some sweet, sweet V8 sounds? Just got to hit play.